Hey there, folks. What do you know? It's the Uticast episode 217. Uh, we are joined this week by uh, GFOP, uh, Catherine Cookie Carl. I always feel, I was, I was, you should just call her Cookie, so it's always weird for me when I have to say her full name. Uh, Cookie Carl uh, from Cost by Cost Consulting is here. Great conversation. One of those magic conversations that could have gone for a full hour, but she had book club. Sorry for her being late for book club. Uh, also this week, we're going to talk about the recent flood uh, in South Utica. We're going to talk about the softball tournament we were in this week. Thanks to Joe Marino for taking a photo with us at the end there. Good times playing softball. Uh, and we're going to talk about a little Doomsday Report, history lessons, Disney Plus plans, and then Kevin and I will do another edition of our Spoiler Things podcast. We break down Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. All that and more this week on Uticast. We are happy, as always, to have you here. Episode 217. Uh, joining us this week, uh, GFOP Cookie Carl, Catherine Cookie Carl. I feel I still. She told me to call her Cookie, and that her family calls her Cookie. I just I feel like I should call her by her full name when I'm presenting her name on the podcast. But nope, she told me to call her Cookie. So Catherine Cookie Carl of Cost by Cost uh, Consulting is here today. Great conversation. Uh, one of those conversations where definitely could have gone like 20, 30 minutes longer had she not had a book club obligation, which I made her very late for. I'm sorry. To all her book club pals. Uh, Kevin is here. Yo. What's good, my man? How here you doing? We, here we are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what are you drinking? Uh, it's Utica Club. A little classy Utica Club. Indeed. I forgot that I bought those Utica Clubs this weekend. Indeed. During the flood, which we're going to talk about <laughs> momentarily. Uh, Heather is also here, shockingly, three weeks in a row, but yawning oh while gosh. she's on the... <laughs> How many episodes have I missed in like two years? Yeah, we got to go back and do the numbers. I, Kevin thinks it's more than six. I, I think know. six is about the over-under. Six sounds about right. I'm taking the over all day. Oh, you're taking all the day. over all day. All day. Think about how many times different sicknesses. She had a kid, things. though. I feel like she's allowed to have more. I gotcha. How no. many? I mean, you might be right. Kaz was I know I'm sick right. a lot I, last winter. I know I'm right. What's, you don't know the trick to always six, being right? Though. I'm with six. You want to know the trick to always being right? What? Don't say something unless you know you're right. You're not right. You have a calendar? If you're not sure, don't say anything. All right, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> uh, poor Heather. I feel bad. You always come here. You're so excited to do the podcast when you come here, and then immediately you're beaten oh, down. I'm the bad guy. Me yep, that's me. <laughs> that's me. I'm the bad guy. I'm her favorite part of coming to do the I'm show, so but sad. I'm the bad guy. Heather, how was your weekend? Uh-huh. It was great. Did you go camping? Did you go biking? Did you go... Uh, no, I took Cass to Enchanted Forest. Really? Enchanted yeah. Forest. I, we talked about this recently. I haven't gone yet this year. What was your What was your best experience so far the weekend for Enchanted Forest? Well, he Cass is so small, and he mm-hmm. wanted to um, go down one of the tubes because yeah. one of his little friends were there, but he was really, really small. Yeah. And like even when they put him in the tube, he uh, would fall through. Mm-hmm. But it was so cute watching him go down the slide. 
it was like this raging rapid kind yeah. of thing. He was holding on so tight, and he was so you could tell he was so scared. But I, I was emotional. Is he afraid of water at all? No, he's not. He loves it, but he has tubes in his ears. Yep. So we mm-hmm. had to put these plugs in. They mm-hmm. kept falling out. So mm-hmm. we brought a whole pack, went through the whole entire pack. Back, yeah. yeah. Just so he could play in the water. So. Uh, again, Kev will tell me I'm soft. As a kid, I didn't care much for water. Didn't love being in the water. Oh, yeah. Thought Jaws was going to get me. Uh, <laughs> so like when I was a kid, there was a period of time when I was like, it was a struggle for me to go to Enchanted Forest because I was like having like, oh, I'm just going to get in this tube. Everything will be fine. This is all supposed he to be loved fun. It. Loved it. Uh, that's good. Uh, guys, I think the state fair starts this week or next week. Is it, oh is it this weekend? Already there? So that, know. that answers my next question. Are you guys interested in going to the state fair at no. all? Not particularly. I never liked that. I saw a video on Vice today where they had all the, the Democratic, uh, presidential nominees were at the Iowa state fair this week. And like, there was a, this guy walking through the fair and he's like, oh yeah, they got corn dogs and deep fried Snickers. He's like, hey, look. It's a butter sculpture. Where else in the world are you going to see a butter sculpture but Iowa? And I was like, dude, any every Everywhere. state yeah. fair Everywhere. in every... <laughs> a lot of people's houses for Easter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess my question is, like, if you go to any state fair across all the states, at the end of the day, they're all probably basically the same thing, Similar right? enough, yeah. Similar yeah. enough. Sure. Few little regional differences. Was there anything you really liked about the state fair when you were young enough to go? I've never really been. Never really went? I really... We talk about this every year when State Fair Town comes around. I've still never really... Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I went a few years ago for the first time, like five years ago, and I didn't get it. You brought Kaz ever? No, no. Yeah. It's not really this. Midway ride. Everyone's like, you have to have chocolate milk, and you have to look at the butter sculpture, and you have to eat fried dough, and I'm like, yeah. That's exactly what I need on a a hot day in the sun (laughs) on the pavement is milk. Yeah, delicious milk. That's what I need. Um, I don't really like milk all that much to begin with. That's the other side of it. I I did, as a a young man, like going to look at the cows and the the chickens and all that kind of stuff. You've seen cows. You see them anywhere. Yeah, you're younger. That's exciting a little bit. A live animal right in front of you. Yeah, they got a little... Like the horse show, they got the midway. They got I like, I like a midway game. They got lots of midway games there. I do like games of chance, I will, or rigged games of chance. Yeah, there you go. Uh, what's your game of chance if you go to the midway? What do you play? The we shoot the water in the yeah. clown's mouth. Yeah. That's a good one. I'm guaranteed to win. Really? Is that your yeah. one? It's, That's my game. I'm the worst with the one where you have to throw darts at the balloons. That seems like an automatic loss for me. You got to go to Kev. Um, I'm all right at midway games. Just in general, yeah. I, I do some work at the midway games, yeah. I think the yeah. biggest one that I hate... Long reach, big scope, lots of different <laughs> stuff going on. I think the one that I hate the most, this is from like, there's, this is probably everywhere, but Sylvan Beach had it. They give you that fake, like, Tommy gun, and you have to shoot the star out of the piece of... There's like a piece of paper with a star in the center, uh-huh. and you have to, like, shoot the star out with the amount of bullets that they have. It seems impossible. I've never seen anyone effectively do it. You're better off just, like, picking the duck out of the water. You might as well get something. That, are those all still the same games they have there? I would imagine. I don't, yeah, they don't really change. I don't think they... I don't know if the infrastructure for carnival games has changed over at Silicon Beach in a long time. Uh, I do have some real news this week we can get to, but before we do that, I have two things I wanted to talk about this week. Uh, number one, uh, we have two spots available in the suddenly, out of nowhere, beginning Uticast right. Fantasy Football League. Heather joined That's today. Right. Uh, the Joy Killer, Kevin Sullivan, refuses to play oh, fantasy Kevin. football. He the doesn't want to play Joy Killer. Oh. Our whole team. We can talk about it together and seems oh. to be the Yeah, best. we could be talking about fantasy oh. football. We can decorate our team. Let's too. talk about <laughs> things that have done to kill my joy. <laughs> Let's talk about what joy has killed in my life. <laughs> but I, I'm Let's start naming names, pointing fingers. <laughs> 
no, I know you don't really you don't give a shit about football. Yeah. I know, but um, no. but we do have two spots available left in the league. We have a nice twelve person league right now since Heather just joined. That's right. Uh, so if anyone is generally interested in joining our uh, not really for money, it seems like at the moment, unless people decide it wants to be for money afterwards. I know Chris Mandry, who joined the league, is very adamant that we put some money on it. He's he's been very he's he's made no secret of it. Uh, we do have two spots available. I would imagine if anyone who's listening to this who's not already in it wants to join, you can just DM us at UDcast on Twitter or send me a message on Facebook, and we'll try and get you in one of these last two spots. I'll do some rankings every week. Uh, and then also, uh, Maiden Utica competed in a softball tournament, a charity softball tournament. I saw pictures of that. Yeah. It was fun. Kev, you were there spectating all the action. I was indeed. Uh, I'll ask you first before I give my impressions. What kind of account do you, We lost both games, but do you think we gave a good account of ourselves for the most part? Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> we, were we not sure. Were we embarrassing? No, I mean, no. <laughs> no, we didn't win. No, there was, there was only... There was only... I mean, there were... There may have been embarrassing moments, but that's like a different kind of thing. Sure. And then none of the things, like it's not stuff you laugh about. It's like legitimately embarrassing stuff, but. Sure. No, for the most part, good showing out there in the field. Everybody was trying. Everybody was playing. Um, I think that it was a little bit, the team was very much outside of its depth. Oh, yeah. This was much less of like a fun, <laughs> like just put together. <laughs> yeah. Like every other team had people who play softball. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that one team, it was all kids that played varsity. Yeah. All kids that, like, own their own bat and have been in, like, traveling softball leagues yeah, yeah. since they graduated high school for 10 or 12 years. You know what I mean? So, so well, Justin and I were thinking about this actually afterwards because we were talking. It's like, yeah, it's a shame because we're just, like, sort of out there having a good time, like, wearing, like, you know, not even uniforms or matching stuff. It's all wearing, like, red, white, and blue stuff. And we're playing. Some of these dudes were mashing home runs on the other team. They were, like good softball players but i'd like to play like maybe a celebrity game we should get like a real maiden utica team and challenge somebody i was saying like let's challenge all the town square media folks come on beth and dave come play us in softball for charity that's our plan i want to get a game going really in it i'm into it no i think it'd be fun you don't think it'd be fun charity fun softball game not a tournament like one single game yeah i don't know if town square is your target well somebody we'd find anything old that's true. Oh, oh wow. I'm, I'm a, oh, wow. No, I mean, like, not, <laughs> wow. I'm not taking shots at people, but, like, everybody who works up there is generally a little bit older. We need a younger athletic. Dave Coombs will still smoke you, though. Yeah. Dave Coombs is still. <laughs> He's a ringer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I think it'd be yeah, yeah. fun to find someone to do sort of, like, a fun, low-level, like, amateur charity. Actually, I bet you, maybe, maybe Town Square works, because Jeff Manaski and Andrew Dominio can probably ball. Dominio is sneaky good, probably. I bet Dominio's good. Yeah, GFOP Dominio. has got no strike zone. He's walking every time. <laughs> Get them all on. I think we should do it. Mm -hmm. I think it'd be fun. I'd enjoy doing it. I would play more softball. I thought it was... I would. I don't even know how to play more softball, necessarily. It was fun to do, like, a team activity with, with the crew, just as opposed to doing nothing. Next time, <laughs> next time will you practice? Uh... I mean, no. Because there was no prayer. You wouldn't even go down and throw a softball, take a couple cuts the week before? We went down and bought some stuff and played against sports. Down and played against sports. Like they like bought a face mask two days before. Uh, I'll say a this. face mask that, Heather, that nobody wore. Here's, <laughs> that nobody wore. I don't, I, don't mean, I don't mean to kill the joy of them owning their own face mask. Joy killer, he's back. But, uh, no, I think... Um, I think, yeah, a little bit. Because I'll tell you what. By the time we got to the second game, I felt much more comfortable running the around. Rhythm, yeah. yeah. Although, I, I have to say, personally, I felt like I didn't make a terrible... I was ready to strike out, like, three times. I'm not a good baseball player. So the fact that I didn't strike out or fall over running on the bases or have any two crazy embarrassing moments besides getting picked off at first, uh, I felt pretty... Here's my problem, and I said this to GFOP Steve out in the green room before this. 
even though this was a charity game, even though I knew that it didn't matter and we were going to lose, the minute I got up to the plate and was on the field, I was like, I'm going to win this damn game. I can't. I couldn't turn it off. I wanted to win. I don't know what it is. Is that a problem with me? Am I too competitive? Or is it just part of the game? It's part of the game. Just part of the game, right? You want to win. You don't, no one wants to lose. I don't know. Kev, you, didn't, uh, you, you, uh, you had a great reason for not playing. I loved your, your reasoning. I mean, I had a few reasons. Like, number one, it was foisted upon me, like, foisted. the night before yes. at 11 o'clock. And I was like, no, I'm not getting up tomorrow doing that. <laughs> then I get out there, and I'm looking around, and I'm seeing people fall left and right to injury. Oh, yeah. And, like, it's going to rain. I don't have anything on. I'm like, you know what? I don't currently have health insurance. <laughs> no joke, though. But yeah, like, no, if, true. if I go out there, yeah, yeah. I'm rounding the bases. If you break that's an ankle true. or you break a finger or something, like... If I went and played softball and mm-hmm. broke my ankle, yeah. I would be bankrupt and I would have to start answering hard yeah. questions about how I'm going to pay oh, yeah. my rent. No, yeah, no, it's true. true. You know, no, it's especially true. as somebody who true. makes their money like on their feet. I'm not going to an office sitting at a desk. You know exactly. what I mean? Whether it's tending bar, whether it's playing in the band, whether it's doing some other things like that. You know, uh, not yeah. only do you spend all of your money, which just barely cover first five percent of your hospital bills, yeah. but also you're not going to make any more money. You know, I would be destitute. All to go out there and get smacked up by 50 runs by the fire department. Uh, miss good. me with that. Yeah, no, for miss sure. Me with that. I spent my money on raffle tickets, raising money for the kids. Yeah, yeah. Got some of the food. They were cooking delicious food down yeah, there. We're cooking a lot of delicious It was nice food. to raise money for Utica Little League. Yeah. It was crazy because for me, and you're kind of the same way, um, I grew up down in the oh, field. Yeah, yeah. Especially living right across Big the deal. tracks. Mm-hmm. Like we go out on the field literally every single day when Man. I was a kid. Back Little when they had basketball courts. Little League. Before the city council removed the basketball courts because they were worried about attracting the wrong, wrong element. Kind of which is mm-hmm. gross. Terrible. Be ashamed of yourselves. Ed Hannah, all you bums. Uh, no, it's true because if you really think about it, I played minor league baseball at one field, then moved right to Hinko when I was uh, mm-hmm. Little League the whole then to Hinko. That In whole T ball. T ball. T-ball, minor games league, there. Little League, yeah. Hinko. My Everything. sister played at the softball yeah. field. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, too, because I, I was thinking about that. The playground. Weird. That's true. I was thinking about that when we were down there. When did were, were all those fields must have been built in, like, one big initiative at some point in time? Like, we're building, like, five baseball fields all at once. We want to have base. Like, I wonder what the thought process. I'd have to go back in, like, Utica history. Like, People used to play more. Used to play, is that just what it was? People when, we were, when we were kids, South Utica Little League had seven teams, six or seven teams. East Utica Little League had, like, 12 North and West both had six to eight teams. Now I think there's maybe five teams in the whole city. Yeah. For Little yeah. League. Yeah. You know? like every, yeah. every company or, or store would have a softball yeah, baseball yeah. team. I well, remember when I was little. Mm-hmm. Who's your team? Colonite Wax. Colonite Rats. I was on, uh, well, I wasn't on Ridgewood Market. They were good, I think, Ridgewood Market. Mm-hmm. No, I was on Ridgewood Market and we stunk. What, col- was, what color was your team? Dark blue. Dark blue? Like navy? No, we were. I was Royal not in one of the Royal blue, maybe? If we were, stunk. If you were Royal blue, it was Ridgewood. Navy Blue was Parkway Drugs. It was not Parkway Drugs. I was not on Parkway Drugs. I was on Ridgewood Market, and we stunk. We tried real hard. I, again, I was the first baseman, so that shows you how how bad we were. I was the first baseman in Colonnade. You got a first baseman's bill. You got a long, like, lean appearance. You can grab Tall. out there and grab that True. stuff. I was real short. I'm, not, I'm more of a natural second baseman. Mm. Uh, Heather, what was your sport? Did you play softball growing up ever? No. No? What was your first sport you ever played? Uh, I, I just ran track. Yeah, so I when, when I did, that's, that's a sport. Yeah. That counts as a sport. I did long sport. distance, so that counts as a sport. That's what I did. I know it does, but I didn't like anything else. That's Except fair. Volleyball, I got caught twice, though, so I gave up. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's get into. We're 13 minutes in. Let's get into a couple of the news stories I was going to talk about this week. Um, so on Saturday, we got 3.2 inches of rain in a matter of hours this weekend, and it was uh, pretty nasty flooding in most of the major areas across the city. 
Uh, I've been doing a lot of reading about this. People seem really mad. Well, they should be. Yeah. (laughs) Are you mad about this? Well, this shouldn't be flooded. Who designed that? (laughs) Yeah, this seems, you seem to be getting at the side. People seem to think that this has something to do with the arterial. Uh, And I've seen a lot of comments from people on like WK's TV page about it, on Facebook's page about it. Is this a, I haven't done enough research on this maybe. Is this a real concern? I mean, generally, when I'm looking for knowledge, I go to Facebook comment sections. I'm just because that's, yeah, yeah, no, that's where all the well-measured takes are. Yeah. Um, I'm you. You can't blame the arterial when it floods in South Utica because the arterial is not there. Right. So I don't really know what to tell you. Like if mm. Oneida Street floods, it flooded in front of the uptown. Yeah. That, yeah. that has nothing to do with the arterial. You know. But what have I mean? we had flooding there after before? Flooding where? In the um, on South Utica on the streets there have we yeah because the last yeah. few years I know we have yeah, but years. before that because we're getting more extreme rain yeah yeah that was the other thing I was gonna add uh, if you go back to I didn't do some research the people you... who should be mad are the people in Whitesboro those people should be furious oh but and like people who live maybe some people right around the arterial mm-hmm. like the people in Whitesboro because Whitesboro floods all the yeah. time now because they built twenty five parking lots on top of a marsh to put in yeah. Walmart and Best yeah. Buy and all that other shit. And now all that water runs off the pavement into the creek that's not designed to take all that and floods out the part of Whitesboro down by the middle school mm-hmm. like twice a year. Uh, I don't know if it's a direct climate change correlation because the five years before my range here are all down trending in terms of rain, but we've had uh, upward, above average rainfall five of the last seven years. And I don't know if that's, again, I, I don't think that's necessarily a direct correlation to climate change, but it's not a Why great not? sign. Because there's like the, I don't know, when does climate change begin? It doesn't begin seven years ago. It's begun longer than that. It's just that we're now seeing the effects in the last seven years. Yeah, well, I mean, we're the most leading scientists um, are pretty much in agreement that the effects we're seeing right now yeah. is from stuff from emissions that we put out in the late 70s and mm. the 80s. So we're not even seeing the stuff for the emissions because it takes a while for all that stuff to go through. But yeah, I mean, that's why all, all major climate scientists say, yeah, expect mm. it to get worse. Uh, so yeah. We'll be like the last day who sees the most effects from all of it. Yeah. Like we're like the last. I hope so. Yeah, we are, though. <laughs> uh, so... I don't know. I, I, it was pretty wild. Like I, I thought people were being a little bit hyperbolic when, uh, when I was like seeing all these people on Twitter talking about, oh my god, it's the flood. I saw this, this water in the street. People want and, that. and I did drive down to uh, get supplies from Fast Track, mm-hmm. and I was genuinely like, oh, this is this is something else. I don't know if I've seen something like this in a really long time. Just dirty brown water smashing up on the front of your car, no matter where you went. It's pretty. Pretty wild and dangerous. By floods, the way. Yeah, floods like that. Just I feel like just about every year now we get mm-hmm. one yeah. with all the different rivers and stuff mm-hmm. running through. Because a mm-hmm. uh, friend of the pod, Steve, will tell you about times when, like back in the day, when he used to work at Del Monaco's in North Genesee Street mm-hmm. and driving through flood zones and stuff yeah. like that. And you know, I remember, I remember watching the river right before you go into the bridge in the village of New Hartford. I remember seeing the river come mm-hmm. up over that in 2011 that, or 12. That actually happened a couple of years that ago, That happens, yep. you know what I mean? So, it's not all, I mean, we've always got flooding, and flooding is always a thing that happens, but yes, it does seem weird that we get a major flood every year now. Yeah. Yeah. At least one. Hmm. Uh, all right, so we can move on from flooding. I'm going to move past the vaccination story. Vaccinations are now mandatory in New York State. That's the whole hey. story. All the way across the Good. board. Good, vaccinate your kids. If you don't, you're an idiot. Fight me on Twitter about it. Come, yeah. to, my ho- come to my house and fight me about it. I don't care. <laughs> Please don't come. free time. Come to the house. Yeah. Pull up. <laughs> Pull up. Uh, I saw an interesting story in The Hill, which is not something I normally say out loud in public, but I saw an interesting story in The Hill. I wouldn't. <laughs> uh, but I saw, who'd, who'd they steal it from? It's <laughs> a great question. Uh, but basically it's talking about how 2019 uh, is the first year on record where lawmakers and politicians are swearing uh, in public at a above average rate. So ridiculous. Uh, do you find something 
Do you think that the swearing from politicians is a sign of the times that we are just more comfortable with swearing? Or is it that now the, the doors are broken down by some of the stuff Trump says, everyone can just say whatever they want? Both. Yeah. A little bit of both. But as always, it's always both. Mm. Always both. Does it bother you when like a politician drops an F-bomb? I find it one way or the other sometimes. When, when like for example, when Beto O'Rourke was out there like swearing at the politicians... Uh, about the questions they were asking a couple weeks ago. It was like a nice viral clip that went around. He's dropping mm-hmm. F-bomb. It felt like he was actually like yelling in man. It didn't feel like he was using a soundbite with a swear word in it to use a soundbite. You know, I, mean? I felt like he was actually having a conversation. So I, I was like, that one didn't bother me. It made me like him a little bit more. But sometimes it feels sort of forced now. I want to have a little more hard edge to my language. I'm yeah, going to throw I a damn in there. I can't make a thumbs up or thumbs down judgment just specifically on how I feel when somebody swears because mm-hmm. I feel like... If you're looking at, if you're looking at the, you've got to look at the whole picture, right? Mm-hmm. Like how articulate and well-spoken and, and thoughtful are you when you speak anyway? You know what I mean? Like if you're some idiot and you just swear just for swearing's sake and that's the only way you can really like elucidate your point, then mm-hmm. I don't really have much love for that. I try to be better. But like if you take a guy, somebody, you know, like look at somebody like, um, you know, former President Obama, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Obviously very, very articulate, very well-spoken guy. Yeah. So if he swears, I don't think it's coarse or dumb because I know that, you know, this guy can this guy can already speak well as it is. But also your bar is a little bit higher than you're something like that because I'm a firm believer in uh, picking your spots. You know, we've talked about it. We might have talked about it just last week on the podcast, actually. Yeah. Like, I've been the one who, like, I'll stop people when they're swearing. Like, if we're yeah. at a restaurant, like, somebody's talking crazy. I'm like, yo, watch your mouth. There's kids here. You should be able to pick your spots. Um, and I don't think that... The broader coarsening of the dialogue uh, caused by the current administration is a reason for everybody else to lower their standards, but it's sure. tough not to. But, you know, the other side of that is, is it a lowering of the standards or do we just not care? Do I really Seems care like what the word shit means compared to stuff? Crap. Like, not yeah. Yeah. Really. yeah. I mean. It would be dumber if they said crap. Yeah. If you said crap oh, and you're oh, a politician, like, oh, oh, this crap has got to stop. I don't want my like, son right, to hear it. Man. I don't want my son hearing. Why not? Thinking that that's okay. Because I don't want him to talk like that. I mean, he already hears me swear at home, so. Right. It's, <laughs> and I have to tell him about it. You swear in front of kids? true. I have a couple times. Yeah? Well, you don't, like, you don't swear in front of kids. Not intentionally. Like, I, it's like where I'm doing something and I'm like, gosh. Oh, I occasionally, you know? as a teacher, will drop a swear word in if I'm, like, I think there's just frustrated. Like, Not a hard swear word. I don't drop F-bombs yeah, or anything. Yeah, but, but there's like, a time and place for it. Yeah. I don't think it's yeah. on TV or yeah. needs to, I don't know. Yeah. Although it's funny because like high school kids will like they're like <gasps> even if you say like hell I'm like really hell if I say what the hell you guys are gonna do that come on guys you guys I I listen to the songs that you guys listen to I hear them on the radio you guys heard much worse words than hell uh, I got a quick very very quick doomsday report uh, before we head out to our uh, interview this week uh, reports from UCLA uh, astronomers say that the supermassive black hole that exists in the center of our universe has suddenly begun showing mysterious sparking, and nobody knows why. Lights emitting and sparking from the black hole. No one knows why. Uh, this is a quote from one of the astronomers. Maybe the black hole is waking up. There's a lot we don't know at this point, so we need more data to understand if what we're seeing is a big change uh, in what's feeding the black hole, or if this is just a brief event. Do you guys want to speculate wildly at why the black hole is sparking before we go <laughs> before we go to break? Is it Cthulhu? Is it some sort of... Alien civilization. Yeah, it's like a time portal. It's a time portal. Yeah, so it's, something it's active right now. Something's coming back through yes, time to so come it's get active us. Active now, waiting. All right, Kev, you have any wild that. speculations of what's coming through the wormhole? 
It's important. Uh, it's important. Oh, to... What do you want me to say? Something really dumb? I'm sorry. Did I kill your joy? I'm ready. Heather, did I kill your joy with, <laughs> with my reason or articulation? I just swear we can call it a, sec- a segment. No, please. I'm curious. Really, I am curious. I don't know so. if I want to share. I want to. Um, I just think it's important to keep in mind something as far away as this black hole. Um, when we look through stuff into space, right? And we've only been able to see so many different things in space for a very short amount of time with the tech that we have. But when you look at a lot of these things that are light years away, yeah. you're looking at things that have happened in the past. That's mm-hmm. tough to kind of conceptualize, oh, but like yeah. even yeah. the sun, like the light outside, I think the sun is something like, I want to say eight minutes. So yeah. like if the sun went out right now, this second just went yeah. out somehow, it's not possible, but let's say it did, we, we wouldn't know for eight minutes uh, because it's so far away. It's now so you think, scary. Now yeah. you think about stuff even yeah. further away, because I read a lot of articles about this when it happens. I love space yeah. stuff, and I love, you know different especially the quantum physics and the different things that come into like space and time and the way it all works and whatever um but so we're looking at whatever this activity is that we saw in the black hole isn't something that happened last week yeah it's something that happened like i can't remember the number but like thousands and thousands of years ago it's bad for us and the light sign is just getting to <laughs> it's us no now. good it's not good it doesn't make you feel great um i just assume it was something if i had to venture yeah. a completely uneducated guess i would assume that it was something somewhere in the galaxy specifically large or luminous mm. that happened to to get sucked into the black yeah. hole, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? So like the black hole, to put it like, you know, to make a metaphor for it, if the black hole is normally sucking in flashlights and that's what you're seeing, the light of it pulling in flashlights, and now it pulls in one of those giant incandescent road Sure, bars, right, right, right. You know what I mean? That, makes that sense. kind of thing. So it's a bigger flash because yeah. it just pulled in something larger. Uh, I think it was in the, the Cosmo series that they did on Fox. They talk about the metaphor for the stars because, like, you only see the light from the stars because they've already gone out, right? It's the explosion. So, like, as the stars, the sky is basically ghosts. Like, they're all ghosts of dead stars. That yeah, yeah. Are t- yeah, ten, yeah. So, it's really like, the, yeah, they've already, they're already gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what a downer. Oh, God. Uh, let's bring ourselves back up after that God. doomsday report by uh, getting to our interview this week. Uh, Catherine Carl, a.k.a. Cookie Carl, from... Uh, Cast by Cast Consulting. I had to get that name right a thousand times. It doesn't matter how I pronounce it. She wasn't offended. I'm trying to do it right. Uh, we had a great conversation. Uh, so, you know what? Why, why hold it off? Let's get to our conversation with the excellent Cookie Carl. I'll be back in just a moment. It's a little unnerving for people when they come in and they're like, wait, do you have like a whole page You prepared stuff? and I, I didn't. Did, I did prepare. <laughs> My first podcast. <laughs> That's, this is seems to be everyone locally's first podcast. Okay. A lot of people I come on here are like, well, now what is this again? It's Super the, cool though. It's the radio on demand. Um, let's, Catherine... Not used to calling you no, Catherine. you can call me Cookie. Let's be real. <laughs> well, that's where I, that's actually where I wanted to start. I mean, okay. So you're not the first person I know uh, with Cookie as the the name. Is that a, a lifelong thing? Is that what your family calls you? Yes, and yes. So how did that start? My middle name is Cook. Cook, and okay. that is my great grandmother's maiden name. Really? And she's huh. the OG Cookie in my family. Hmm. 
So, and she, yes, shared a birthday with my mother. So they were very close. She never had sisters. So when she had daughters, you know, named my sister Mary yeah, Carol yeah. after two grandmothers. <laughs> and I got the middle name Cook after my Gigi. That's so. pretty good. That's yeah. That's pretty good. So yeah. you, so everyone calls you Cookie. It's funny. My boss walked out and called you Cookie. Yes. I was like, that's weird. I guess, it is, does it, it take is. people a minute, like, to get used to that? Like, and some will have never switched. Never, like, I have yeah. some college professors that were like, I, <laughs> I can never call you Cookie. And I said, that's fine, you know, and I'll just have this kind of dual life with different names and no no but really it's fine and um I, it's everyone else's preference if someone calls me Catherine cook i will assume mm. i'm in trouble yeah yeah um Ooh, yes cook, wow. yes that was when i was in trouble that'd be a good stage name if you're an actor Kat, yes Catherine cook uh, of course <laughs> second Kat, career Catherine cookie carl of course what is your uh your title uh, at cause by cause which i'm going to try and say correctly the whole time so um i'm you're, technically an independent consultant sure yeah it's formalized freelancing mm. But um, freelance. I yes. like the name of the sound of yeah. that. Very... Yeah, that's kind of really, but that's how it functions. Um, <laughs> and it's allowed me to stay in Utica, which is the whole reason awesome. I did it. Well, yeah. we're going to, I'm going to have you do the, uh, explain it like I'm five uh, about what a consulting firm actually does for our viewers out there. Uh, yeah. I'm sure I'm not the only person who like looked at your like website and I was like, wow, this is all amazing. I don't know what I would, what, <laughs> like, what does I, this mean? It's all wonderful. But, uh, so I want to start a little bit uh, with you, Cook. Uh, where were you originally born? Where were you raised? I was originally born in Utica, New York. And, yep, I grew up on Sunset Ave. Did you go to Proctor? I went to Hugh R. Jones through third grade. Okay. And then my family, we moved to New Hartford. So I did mm. graduate from New Hartford High School in 05. Oh, okay. So you're right in my wheelhouse then. Yes. You're, so 05, you're going, so you're in New Hartford. New Hartford oh, wow. 05. Yep. Oh, man. But I have a lot of friends that I went to Jones with through oh, elementary man. school. Did you, were you aware that I existed around there? Because I had a girlfriend who graduated <sighs> oh, New Hartford. Oh, maybe I knew oh, her. Oh, man. <laughs> Uh, 03, I think she, I'm going to write her name down on this piece of paper. Oh, this uh, is secretive for a yeah, podcast. Yeah, this is bad podcasting. But, uh, <laughs> you know that person? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk and about she, that. Okay. She's lovely. Okay. She yeah. is lovely. She's yeah. a sweet girl. We'll talk about that later. Anyhow. Uh, no, I just didn't know if she, I was, I was around yes. Hartford in that era. And my like, sister you, is 03. Oh, okay. Yes. Interesting. And my oh, brother's wow. 06. I wonder if I knew your sister. You probably did. Mary oh. Carol. Now her last name is Evans. We'll have to get more into this. Yes, yes. This is <laughs> but, an offline. Sorry, uh, podcasters. <laughs> uh, but so let me ask you this. Uh, okay, I'm, I was a Proctor kid. Okay. I was aware of the, uh, let's call it like perception of what a Proctor kid was. When you were going to New Hartford, were you aware of the perception of like New Hartford kids? That, were you aware of it? Did you lean into it? Were you? I think it was more aware of the perception of a New Hartford kid. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that came with more of a rap. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I went to the Proctor Junior Prom. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> so I had a lot of friends that I continue to be friends with. It's um, weird when you go cross back and forth. It's not common. <laughs> yes. And I, I will say one thing that I appreciated from the elementary side, which was even probably more limited than what you got at Proctor and um, also experienced after moving away a little mm. bit, was just the diversity. Oh, yeah. Well, that's I love my education in Hartford. I feel very grateful for it, mm. but there is a limited yeah. sense of diversity. I mean, so I work at Proctor now, and I yes. talk about my kids at all the time. About, yes. You know, this, this is preparing you for what's really out there. This Absolutely. Is, yeah. And you have to, you know, with diversity and exposure to that also comes the ability to have empathy for other people. Yes, exactly. So I think that's really important. It's funny you say that. I was just talking to my mom about this last week. Because so my mom, yeah, she's, you know, in her, I don't want to give her age away, but she's in the, the baby boomers generation. Okay. And she's an educator in public education for 44 years. And she's just now in the last, like, four to eight years, and I'm not going to get political here, but she's finding out that a lot of her friends who are now suddenly talking about politics for the first mm -hmm. time because it's 
mainstream conversation now for the sure. first time in like our adult lives, I feel like. Uh, she's finding out that she is a lot more empathetic and a lot more, let's call it progressive and liberal if you want, sure. than a lot of her friends because they didn't grow up in that public school, working in that public school atmosphere. So yep. it's intriguing how that public school atmosphere like shapes your view of that. Too. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And I think if you're an educator especially, I mean, yeah. talk about people that have full hearts, right? <laughs> I, I, she was a first grade teacher, which I, yeah. like, I work in education now, but I do with high school kids. And I think with high school kids... They already have, like, a defined personality when you meet them, right? You Very can true. implant information on them. Mm-hmm. You can give them your impressions on things. And they can talk to you and teach you, like, a parent figure. Yeah. But when they're in first grade, you're, you're really imprinting, like, morals and characteristics on them and mm-hmm. that's very intimidating in a way that teaching history doesn't seem to be yes otherwise. and it's so much skill yeah. development right yeah. it's perseverance and the ability to dream mm. and do deal with conflict and mm. um that stuff that you learn so early on it becomes so important and school is mm. hours of children's time so the educators are amazing people to me in my life what uh what were you doing in your heart for like toward the end what kind of sure. kid were you were you like a drama club kid were you like a like a cool good, kid. Were you good like question. A- um, I, I probably <laughs> thought I was cooler than I was. We all did. Um, I figured that right? out. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was super cool back then. Uh, I played sports. Oh, yeah. Um, nice. And then I, but then I went to Loyola, Maryland. It was D1. And so mm. I did club sports there. I wasn't, I was not yeah. a D1 uh, caliber <laughs> athlete. But I did it because my friends did it. And it was mm. really fun. What was your sport choice? Uh, I did soccer. That was probably nice. my first. And I dropped track to join lacrosse because I wanted mm-hmm. to do something more social. I do oh. like lacrosse. Yes. And I was quite bad. But it was wonderful. I was very bad at lacrosse, <laughs> but uh, I was like, search- I was one of those kids who was very bad at sports and was searching for sports. I played football, I stunk. I ran cross country, I stunk. I played lacrosse, I stunk. I Let played me baseball, find it. Which one is yeah, it going to yeah. be? <laughs> it wasn't until my early twenties that I started playing soccer in New York casually, oh, awesome. like with people I worked at the restaurant with, and I was like, oh, you know what? This is this is all right. I yeah, like this and fun. Yeah, yeah, and the social element's big. I, my sister and I were both figure skaters, and those are, that's a pretty independent sport for mm-hmm. like ten years. So I would not call myself an athlete. Uh, but I, I love sports now, and I still pay attention to sports. And I think that growing up in, even playing football, which I don't want my kids to play growing up, all the head injuries and stuff like that, sure. I think about that now. I learned a lot of fundamental lessons about, like, teamwork mm-hmm. from sports that are really hard to translate in other walks of life growing up. Like, Absolutely. Without that sort of idea of, like, structure and teamwork and being part of something larger than yourself. Those are hard lessons to learn without Absolutely. some example. Absolutely. Yeah. And sports is a great way to get that. It's not that you can't get it in the classroom. It's a little different, though, when you're running It's around. different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, because in, in sports, I have respect, it's something that you feel you're also like a part of individually as well. You're on this team, but you can affect the, the, the team outcome, for the better in a way sure. that you may not be able to in other aspects. For sure. You jumped the gun a little bit. You uh, Loyola College uh, in Baltimore, Maryland. You have a bachelor's degree in history. That's right. What were you thinking about doing then? Teaching? That's no. Like, so, wow. But, but um, I went there thinking I was pre-med. Mm. You know, I was pretty into the idea of being a doctor. Yeah. I love kids, so mm. I thought pediatrician, right? I taught swim lessons and all throughout high school and college and babysat. So I knew I liked being around kids and thought, oh, that would be good. And then I got to, you know, chemistry at the mm. college yeah. level. And realized that was probably not for <laughs> yeah. me for the next sci- hardcore science class for the next six to eight years. Um, and luckily, I uh, got support from my family to like, you know, it's okay. You're at a school where you can you can do other things. I don't, I don't mean to be like an egomaniac for you or anything, but like, were you a smart kid? Would you, would you have good grades? I, I had up? pretty good grades. I was okay. pretty regimented about studying. I, you, I, it mattered to me. You was know? it tough for you to run up against that chemistry when you're like, oh, this is... Yes. I had a hard time with it. I was a smart yes. kid and I stumbled with like physics and I was like, this is... 
A lot of emotional breakdowns when you get those bad grades for the first rounds. Um, And you think, oh, my gosh, I'm trying to do student government and I I can't, you know, still pass my classes. And how do I balance life? Right. And that's college, too. You've got to figure out that. But um, I switched to history because, uh, you know, my dad said, you're going to be paying off your college education for a while. So every month you're going to be making that payment well into your 30s. Why don't you think about what classes you'd like to be making that payment for? And it was, for me, a natural fit was history. I love my professors. Brilliant, passionate, very community oriented. There was a, being at a Jesuit school, there's a big community engagement, social justice Mm -hmm. piece to a lot of the classwork that we were doing. And, um, yeah, I just had some really awesome professors and I'm not as in close touch with them as I was after college, but I could still, you know, rattle them off by name. And if I saw them, I'd still run up and give them a hug and say, thank you. <laughs> I genuinely, I don't, I was very close with my high school history teachers. I had great, great high school history teachers at Proctor High School. Shout out Mr. Delito, Al Raji, good folks. <laughs> uh, but what I loved about college history, and I, I honestly, I could not remember a lot of these teachers' names. I had so many history classes at Hunter that I took over the years. I loved the specificity of it. Like, you would take a course, like, oh, this is just a course yes. about 20th century Latin American revolutions. Yep. This is just a course about imperial Russian history. I'm like, this is great. I yes, love this yes, specialty. private life in, in the Roman <laughs> yeah, culture. Like, exactly. Oh, God, wow, I didn't know I could study that for a whole semester. You were in Berlin for a year? I was in Belgium. Belgium. Oh, yeah, Belgium. Yes, yes. so um, at Loyola, they had a (laughs) lot of um, juniors that went abroad, and they had a few different year-long programs, and I ended up going to one of those programs, and it was based in Leuven, Belgium, and uh, it was my first, like, real abroad experience besides a hockey tournament in Gananoqua, Canada. (laughs) Um, So that was pretty big uh, in terms of a change, and talk about outside your comfort zone, that was, like... Going there and not not knowing friends that were in my mm-hmm. program originally that we yeah. all went there kind of strangers mm-hmm. and ended up being very close by the end of the year. Do you have like a wanderlust a little bit? Do you like going out to different places? I do. Now? Is I that do. probably the start of it? Do you think? I think that is definitely the start of it. <laughs> that whole like about. outside your comfort zone is yeah. where you learn and grow, and that's like a big part of education. I would say is like it's kind of subliminally built in at Loyola Mm -hmm. and then you go to an experience like that and you're like oh wow actually this is happening (laughs) I tend to believe that humans have addictive personalities in general it's just depending on what is addictive I notice this with a lot of people who have tattoos they say oh yeah once I got the first one could just had to get a million I think traveling for some people becomes that thing once you get that first experience like oh wow yeah I can see something totally different yeah I think you just want to expand on that yeah Yeah, and travel is all different shapes and sizes, too. There's a whole spectrum there, right? Like, I exploring Sharon Springs for the first time. Yeah, yeah. Going to Cape Cod as an adult for the first time. It must be a John thing. Yes, we went with his family. It was amazing. And I said, how has this been here? And I've never driven over here. You know, it's a drive away. Um, So I think, too, that, like, the travel piece, it can be a plane right away or it can just be in your backyard. It's kind of it's the mental approach you have to it is, like, newness is always good. Yeah. Uh, before we get into Cosby Cosby, I want to ask you one more question. Sure, shoot. Um, so explain this to me a little bit as well, because I just recently saw that you, along with my longtime former boss and uh, current rival, Ben Atwood, uh, you, did, you guys both graduated, <laughs> shout out to Ben, uh, you guys both graduated from uh, Leadership Mohawk Valley, which yes. he was very proud of, and I was like, this is amazing, but yes. I didn't totally know what it was. Okay, okay, <laughs> yeah. okay, well, the LMV is amazing. Yeah. Um, it is a leadership program here that's focused on um, really expanding the networks and understanding of what's going on in the Mohawk Valley at large. Mm -hmm. Um, 
there's about 30 individuals. Uh, in many cases, your employer will sponsor your yes. your you know tuition. Yeah. Let's call it. And you meet the first Wednesday of every month for about 10 months. The program is now run through the MVCC Center for Leadership Excellence, and each week that you meet, it's a different topic, mm. and it's a full day dedicated just to exposing you to what's going on in the community so you can be an advocate and mm. so you can connect your organizations and your networks and then to you know develop your leadership skills in, in that capacity. So, uh, you know, you have a governance and human services day, you have an arts and culture day, you have a diversity and inclusion day, and you're traveling all over um, and to all different entities and I can't really express the gratitude for what you learn in those moments, uh, not just from the 30 peers that all become your friends at the end, yeah. but also the, you know, the exposure to, you're, you're meeting the executive directors of multiple organizations or professors, or we, yeah. you know, we got to meet so many different uh, government officials that came in and spent an hour and a half yeah. of their day with us yeah. doing small group breakout sessions yeah. just so we could meet them and, and hear their stories and, and what their role is in the community. and. I think a lot of um, issues are so interconnected and they can feel a little overwhelming sometimes. And um, being able to kind of take a bigger step back and look at the different interconnectedness of a lot of things is it was a very unique opportunity. And really, if you're already interested in being part of positive change in Mohawk Valley, this is a like a great segue for you mm-hmm. to continue fueling that yeah, yeah. and and that momentum really cool. wise, I think it's I think it's a great opportunity for anybody who's interested in networking and kind of expanding the mind you know going beyond what your silo of expertise is or where your where your kind of focus is career-wise there's a lot going on this feels like the thing the kind of thing that like made in utica's kate riley would have done but not made in utica's justin parkinson because i don't think he... <laughs> well I, I feel like it could be for everyone though yeah, yeah, right yeah, yeah. i mean um certainly part of what's interesting too is that you do have people that come from all different careers yeah. in the group sure right so you meet people who have come from the education side or the insurance side or the banking side or the nonprofit side and then me with consulting super vague but i was there you know well this you know it's um, funny like this this podcast is giving me such a interesting window into speaking with people from all these different backgrounds yes. and it's uh it's crazy too like even just from this but i think if you think about this from an expanded standpoint how much of these little circles all then diagram together so many different yep. organizations so many different people yep uh you were just having a meeting with my good friend ryan miller before he came over that's yeah. right that's right <laughs> yeah and i think too right um there's a lot of consistency, even though everything feels different and special and unique all the time. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think the what is cool is that people are really proud to be from here, yeah. proud to move back, continue to be a part of the life, and then be part of what's changing for the good. And you can probably speak to it because you're in that same age bracket as I am. You're like in the same yep. year or so. Yep. I don't think there was a general feeling in our group, like age grade growing up that we wanted to stay in Utica, at least from most of the kids around me growing up at least in high school. I would agree. I think also, um, and this is, I would say, a maturity thing um, or, or maybe lack of maturity at mm. that point in time of equating success with getting out and yeah. having other real-world mm. experience that's non-Utica and maybe never coming back um, to some extent for some yeah. people. And I think it takes really going out and seeing what's what's out there. And also when you do that, you if you take a moment to pause and look back, you're like, wow, there's a... There's a lot of value in having yeah. grown up here and raising a family here yeah. and being close to family, at, just proximity-wise, yeah. to have, you know, shared experiences with each other, not just, you know, as a teen or a youngster. I think there's a time when you stop 
when you stop chasing it when you're a young person. Mm-hmm. Like, I think in my mm-hmm. mid-20s was the time I was like, I don't think I need to be chasing this anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, chasing after, like... I, like, even... T- this is going to sound really stupid for people who don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm sure John was talking about it today at some point in time. Like, the Supreme catalog came out today, which is like a fashion catalog. <laughs> I know about like, that. Yeah. And it's on the internet, <laughs> and people were talking about it all day, and I, and I can think, like, ten years ago, eight years ago, where I was like, oh, dude, the Supreme... I'm like, oh, yeah. That's funny. Like, it's just weird that, like, where your mentality... It's only been, like, eight years, and I just mm-hmm. feel like that's something I can sort of laugh at now when I look at it, not be like, I gotta get down to the Lower East Side yes. right now and stand yeah. in line. And, and by all means, like, have the passions and the hobbies yeah, and yeah. the things that, you yeah, know, yeah, get you sure. excited. For sure. But um, being able to line up what's really important and yeah, also yeah. to kind of figure out, too, that... Um, who measures whether your success and happiness? It's yeah. really yourself, right? Right. So I, that's something you know. I wish you learned. You wish you learned when you're totally. School, right? And you just don't. And and some people do. God bless yeah. them. They're amazing. But you know that yeah. didn't really check in for me until yeah. mid to late twenties. Um, so it's not that I didn't live my life for myself up until that mm. point. But I think I was making um, better decisions as I got older. Maybe it's, it's common. Okay, hope <laughs> common I, theme. I hope it's getting that Maybe. way. I'm, I'm hoping. Uh, let's talk about Cause by Cause for a yes. second. I have your uh, your byline here from the website, but I think it's better that you tell, if you want to tell the story about the phrase and where it comes from. I have it here if you don't. Sure, yeah. sure. No, no, no. I can I can um, give a little background there. Yeah. So Cause by Cause is actually an Amharic phrase, mm-hmm. and it directly translates to step by step. It's part of a larger idiom that goes, I'll say it, um, um, which stands for the egg step by step moves by legs. Mm. I see. So okay. it's a, it's about transformation. Mm. An egg turns into a chicken, essentially. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and it's a, a way and a reminder of saying, it, you know, it takes time. Mm. Change, t- change takes time and it's mm. a process and you have to be patient. Yeah. But that's... It's kind of this natural thing that things don't happen overnight and quickly. And uh, I love that because I think there's a lot of instant gratification these days for whatever it may be, one-click ordering or yeah. reaching at someone on a text message and, and uh, doing it in an instantly fast time. But that phrase I learned when I was living and working in Ethiopia, and I was there for about three years before I moved home. Yeah, that's the so. other thing I was going to ask you about. That was my next thing on the thing. You spent three years in Ethiopia. Uh, this was when you were working as a program officer and program manager for Cultivating New Frontiers in Agriculture, or CNFA, which I think is You the, got it. There you go. Now, be careful. If I say CNFA really fast, people think I work for Tina Fey. Ah, I see. Yeah, CNFA. <laughs> Wait, you work for Tina Fey? Uh, <laughs> Come on, I'm not that funny. <laughs> I mean, this is a general... <laughs> this is a generalized question, I suppose. There's a million yes. ways you can go with it. Yep. What, in your time there... Mm-hmm. What would you say was the biggest thing that you took for granted when you were there, like about American lifestyle, like being? Over oh, the what day. I took for granted about yeah. being in the U.S. Yeah. Um, I would probably say readily being able to access internet. Yeah, 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 yeah. Gonna, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it seems like oh yeah, we have internet at home, we have internet at school, we have internet free internet at McDonald's, you name it. Probably yeah. even even Too much data, for but even data, <laughs> yeah. right? Even data to have like yeah. LTE or three G, four G. You didn't always have that in Ethiopia. Um, you typically only had data mm-hmm. in a major city. Um, so you know, three years you're there. Yep. What's your like? What do you? What was your uh, original goal for the three years when you were there? Like, what was the, the well, breakdown? I, I, good question. I went there for one year, mm, and wow. I, I went there on a one year contract with two suitcases, mm-hmm. and I kept, you know. Um, I was presented with opportunities, and I also 
knew I wanted to stay. Yeah. So it was an element of like being, you know, open, having good conversations with my managers at mm-hmm. CNFA and DC. I didn't know I was still interested. The program um, roles continued to evolve and change. And there was, mm-hmm. you know, they were interested in keeping me there to keep working on some of the projects. Mm-hmm. And so for inter- th- that industry that I was working in is called international development. Mm-hmm. Sure. It's anything from 0.5 to 1% of the federal budget. Sure. Okay. Which is very small in percentages, but because there's a lot of zeros in our federal budget, <laughs> yes, there's there still <laughs> actually a lot of program <laughs> yeah. opportunities financially. Right. So most of those um, opportunities are in developing countries, emerging markets, mm-hmm. and that money is uh, very linked to decisions that are made on the Hill in D.C., mm-hmm. Uh, they're very uh, linked to, you know, U.S. political interests, yeah. economic interests, but there's, you know, um, you know, support from the American people is really the kind of the mission, right? And that it's our taxpayer money that goes to a lot of these programs, mm. whether they're infrastructure related, um, health and human services, uh, education, democracy and governance, agriculture, trade promotion, you name it. There's probably a program for it, um, and. Certain countries are certain top, you know, are higher priorities. Certain value chains or commodities are higher priorities. And, uh, you know, what's interesting about it is that it is really diverse and it's quite competitive. Yeah. So there's a grant writing and a contract writing piece that happens primarily in D.C. where you apply for the funds. And um, in some cases, they're not competitive. You know, they they are sole source to a certain entity um, or a certain contractor. But in most cases, because it's taxpayer money, it is competed. Yeah. So you apply for these grants and you write and design these programs and you develop a, a you know a technical pillars and activities. You develop a budget, you develop a staff, and you propose it to the client. And then they say, oh, we're going to award it to CNFA. And okay. then, so that was my role for my first three years after college. I was in wow. D.C. I was on the grant writing team. Was there any time you thought maybe D.C. was where you were going to end up? I love D.C., but No. Too swampy? It's hot down there. It's hot. It's, it's really hot. I get cranky when I'm really hot. No. Um, <laughs> but truly, D.C. is an awesome city. Tons yeah. of culture. Very clean. Um, and But I, I lived in Baltimore and I commuted because yeah. I lived with my college friends in an apartment in Baltimore. And I worked in, on the weekends at a bar called No Way Jose as a mm. server. And I just like had my whole life in Baltimore. I was thinking about moving. My brother moved six blocks down the street from me in Baltimore. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm not moving. You know, and... Um, I just felt like culturally Baltimore is more of my speed, yeah, more yeah. My, my fit. Um, but I loved the work in D.C. Yeah. I eventually left that job because I realized that in order to become a manager, mm-hmm. you know, to really kind of have any kind of ascension, yeah. um, not just at that company, but I would say in the industry in general, there um, was this expectation that you had a master's degree yeah. or you had, quote unquote, <laughs> field experience. Oh, field experience. Yes. That's and a good now one. field experience also sounds vague. But um, for example, you go to Peace Corps, you're there for two and a half years. Yeah. You're immersed in a community. You're, yeah. yeah, you're leading their, um, you know water irrigation program mm. you're 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 a teacher in one of the schools that's real field experience you're you're in the developing country context you come back a lot wiser from it you have a strong understanding of mm-hmm. the needs uh and the infrastructure and the opportunities and how the local governments work and then you can come back and design programs and run programs and do it pretty effectively i have yeah. a lot of friends that graduate from peace corps they're amazing people very talented mm. at that point in my life i was 25 and i knew i wasn't going to go do peace yeah. corps um, you, although you can do it at any age. That's um, true. You know, you can get the, you true. Get the again. And some people retire and do yeah. it after they retire. I mean, it's mm-hmm. pretty wild. But I decided, you know, I'm not entirely sure about committing to a master's financially. I'm not ready to necessarily go live in a rural context. I'd rather mm-hmm. work on a project level uh, where I think I'd, I'd be a bit more efficient. Yeah. And so I left um, CNFA 
It was, I gave 90 calendar days notice. I cried to my boss when I put in my notice. I really loved my work there, but I just said, you know, I'm so sorry, but I'm quitting to ride my bike across the U.S. Okay, so this is 2012. I'm 25 years old. Um, I was going to get there. Yes, so I left, and I said, if something comes up for a junior expat, you know, junior person who's going to go abroad and work on these projects, um, call me. Yeah. And it did and they did you know the opportunity came up and then they called me so you know fast forward to about a year later and then i was on a plane going to ethiopia for them on a one-year contract and that one-year contract kind of you know naturally evolved and changed shapes and i ended up helping write a grant to get more funding and then i managed that grant while i was in ethiopia and then you know at that point too i was like i keep saying family is important and i'm living so far away it's time to really you know walk the talk um yeah well i want to I, I know you have book club coming up, and I don't yeah, want to book club. You I, know, I'm still a nerd I, at heart. I don't, well, <laughs> don't, I don't disclose wanna, it on the podcast I if anyone didn't to, know. <laughs> uh, I don't want to uh, keep you too too long, but I want to no shout out the, the website as well it. for people uh, to get a hold of you. Sure. Are you? Uh, I think we got to give people the links for the website or anywhere sure. else they can get a hold of you. Yep. www.costbycost. K A S B Y K A S. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and it's Catherine at costbycostconsulting.com. Um, You're on Facebook, Instagram? I'm very poor on Facebook. I'm okay on Instagram. No Instagram. Twitter, I imagine that Oh, that's gosh. The oh, so gosh. Facebook Limited to no. I mean, I don't think I've even ever downloaded the Twitter app. I'm very bad millennial. Um, you're better. You're so much better. <laughs> you're, it's, a, it's a nightmare. And so, yeah, I'm trying to think um, in terms of what I do now. So when I moved home... Yeah, what's your elevator pitch for what? Uh, okay. Ooh, I don't even know if I have a full elevator pitch because I'm a very chatty person. So let me um, – Cost by Cost is a consulting company. It's single member, which means just me. Yeah. And really my tagline, quote, unquote, is assistance every step of the way. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, the step-by-step thing is kind of at play there, right? Because yeah, yeah. cost by cost of means step-by-step. Step. Exactly. So um, clever. it makes sense. Clever. McGrogan Design did my logo. Love them. Oh, yeah, Co- co-work at Thinky Vader. Love them. Some named McGrogan. I saw them. I, I never, <laughs> yes. heard <of> <laughs> never heard of that guy. Yes. <laughs> never heard of that guy. Never heard of that guy. So I, I love them. I love yeah. my new logo and website. I love the Thinky Vader because that's where I co-work. LNV has been awesome. It's just really inspired me to awesome. continue doing more work locally. Mm-hmm. So those are like three things that I've done in the last few years that I would say is like mm-hmm. also part of me wanting to stay and continue the work I'm doing. But in terms of the services that I offer, I would say that I have two different types of clients. I have mm-hmm. local clients and international clients. Yeah. A lot of the skill set is the same, but the terminology is very different. Yeah, so, yeah. so what is grant writing here yeah, is proposal yeah. writing in sure. DC. Um, what is work planning yeah. is strategic planning. You know, what is strategic planning here is work planning in DC. So a lot of same things. I do a lot of recruiting. I do. Um, I'll go out to the field to do program startup. So for example, if you know. A few weeks ago, CNFA called and or emailed and said, yeah, we have a new project in Nigeria. We'd like you to go out for four yeah. to eight weeks and set it up and do the work planning yeah, with the wow. team. And unfortunately, I wasn't able to do it, but sure. it was nice to get the it's email nice to have, and be yeah, invited. Yeah. Nice to get the call. Yes, yes. And they're my <laughs> former employer, so I, I you know, appreciate them still very much for them continuing to consider me for these kind of opportunities. So on the international side, it's, it's very much, you know, troubleshooting, filling in the gaps for the programs. Mm-hmm. Someone goes on a, you know, three-month maternity leave, I can step in and help yeah. make sure the program continues to move. For sure. I can help set it up. 
I can help write the grants, uh, budget the grants, recruit, recruit for home office positions. It's kind of like a jack of all trades. Well, I guess my, I guess, yeah. uh, what kind of people generally reach out to you for assistance? Sure. About businesses, talk about individuals. Sure, yeah. sure. Um, most of the time in DC, it's companies. Companies. And sure. mo- mostly they're nonprofits. Yeah. And they tend to be exclusive in this international development industry sure. where they, they know who I am. Yeah. They there's people that can you know vouch for awesome. me that there's like informal references that that's like in any industry I'm sure where you check each other yeah. you know um, and so I would say that's that's the international side locally, you know I always kind of had this I love the work that I do internationally sure. but I'm quite removed from it in mm. Utica yeah. um, and part of what I loved about Ethiopia was that I got to be part of a really awesome team and we got to see impact and see change we would you know co-invest with these ethiopian business owners and work with them on their business models and it was super cool and to see change in the lives of not just the business owners or the employees but also the farmers was just crazy rewarding Mm. and i know a lot of that's still going on in that world that i'm supporting remotely by being based here in utica but i'm not really seeing it and selfishly like i i want to be part of (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) and i know that there's cool things to get involved in here in utica so when i Mm. did lmv i was kind of also trying to get a sense of what's out there and how could Mm. the skills that i have match gaps maybe in nonprofits here or in the you know community yeah. here. So locally, I've uh, worked with a few different entities on grant writing mm-hmm. um, yeah. and strategic planning. Like, yeah. yeah, And um, most recently, community engagement work. So awesome. super awesome. Very grateful for that. It's always nice to have stuff that you're doing locally yeah. that you get to be a part of. And, you know, there's a lot of really wonderful people here. And mm-hmm. I think, you know... Not just leadership Mock Valley, but also you know some of the community yeah. engagement work I've been do- doing has just been crazy. Might blows your mind of how talented people are. Like oh it's just God. it's so it's so cool. I'm always impressed by how many people in this area. Again, I've been in this podcast for four years. I've interviewed so many people, and there's so many people who are doing cool things, yes. interesting things, because just because they are driven to do it. Yep. Uh, I want to get the lightning round questions again. We are talking to Catherine Cookie Carl of <laughs> Cos by Cos. I said I keep saying I'm wrong. Is that right? That was close enough. I, totally works. Cosbycosconsulting.com <laughs> is the website. Uh, before we get to our quick lightning round questions, I just have to say congratulations. You're engaged to my yes. good friend, John's grown, who won't <laughs> come on you. the podcast and talk about being a fireman. That's fine, John. John, come on. Love him to death. One of my favorite people in the world. How me did he too, ask me? Was too. it romantic? Or was it was he... very romantic. He proposed on the Racket Lake dinner cruise. Oh. Yes. And I had no clue. So You didn't it, know. You had no, no idea. No. I mean, we had... You know, talked about future plans, but at the actual day and moment it happened, no. And so, <laughs> caught me by surprise. <laughs> I got to show you when we're done the picture I have of him on my phone when he calls me or I call him. It's his picture from oh, back gosh. when we were in New York together. It's okay. amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, all right, lightning round questions. Lightning for round. You. Let's do uh, it. These are the same five or six questions we ask everybody who's been on this podcast for as long as I can remember. I already cool. know the answer to the first question, Cookie. When you wake up in the morning, how do you take your coffee? You don't really drink coffee, it doesn't sound. I will not drink coffee after three, but in the morning, I'll drink a black. Black coffee. Yes, but no after three, sugar. I'm hyper. I cannot have ca- coffee, coffee and sleep. Person? Or um, you have to work your way up. To- <laughs> no, no, I was always a black coffee drinker. Mm, I I have a sweet tooth for sure, but never really integrated mm. into my coffee reg- routine. You know, and I didn't drink coffee until I was 25. Yeah, I think a lot. Our generation didn't drink it till later. Now yeah. kids yeah. drink it at like they 17. They drink it so early, yeah. and it's like they drink Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee, which is not the same. The frap stuff yeah. with the squirrel, yeah, and crap. but in yeah. Ethiopia, obviously, very big coffee yeah, culture, yeah. Oh, and yeah, so. If I wasn't a coffee drinker by the time I got there, I certainly would have sure. been by the time I left anyway. So, <laughs> uh, What was your first automobile? 
Okay. Well, technically, the first that is in my name is my current yeah. Honda CRV, baby. Heck and yeah. it is pre owned but new to me. And I love it. And it gets me from A to B. So it's in the driveway. It's very nice. Yeah. It's yeah. Nice, sharp. Yeah. I try and keep it clean, you know. Um, <laughs> but the first car that I drove was really a car I shared with my sister. And she bought a Nissan Altima. Nissan Altima. 98, yes. maybe? Oh, it's pretty. It's not too bad. 98. No, no. Black <laughs> Nissan Altima. We, we called it Latsy. Little Altima. Some of it could. You have a name for your car. Yeah. Man. And, um, you know, she was two years older. So when she went to college, I was a junior in high school and she couldn't have a college, a car on campus, junior or freshman and sophomore year. So I had it for my junior, senior year. Yeah. We essentially split, you know, payments and insurance and stuff. And she was really, really awesome about letting me use it. We also worked at the same place in the that summer. Helps. So we carpooled to work. Well, you may or may not have taken your sister with you, but, uh, or this car. What was your first live music event? Ooh, Google Dolls, baby. At the odd. At the odd. Yes. With Lisa Lowe. With Can I tell you, So was John. Funny, funny story. <laughs> and I didn't uh, know I him was, at the time. Funny story. Uh, my friend Nick, who I played in a band with, shout out to mm-hmm. Nick and Sally. Uh, we, hey, Nick. <laughs> Nick was front. Like, he waited in line at the. He loved the Goo Goo Dolls. It's so weird you said that. I was just. I had a Goo Goo Dolls song stuck in my head today. And I couldn't figure they're out. They're awesome. Which, I couldn't figure out which song it was. I had to Google the lyrics. Oh it was my Broadway. Gosh. Broadway yeah. stock tonight. See the right? young yeah. man sitting in the old man's bar. Waiting, waiting for, for his, his turn, turn to, to die. die. Yeah. Goo Goo Dolls. They had hits. They had <laughs> hits, Heather. Uh, she knows. Uh, yeah. I fell in love with Lisa Loeb after that concert. Yeah. Absolutely. Head over heels. Every every boy in the front row is absolutely in love with her. Yep. All the hipsters and dweebs like me were just like, <laughs> uh, if you could have dinner with any person, living or dead, who is not your relative, who mm. would it be and why? Okay. Good question. Tough now that you excluded the relative part. Yep. Uh, That's Bill, why I do it. Bill Gates. Bill Gates. Yeah. He and his wife mm-hmm. have the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Yes. They're amazing philanthropists. Answer. He's mm. also a crazy, awesome business person. So yeah. the the savvy there of like how they came to establish their foundation and run it, it would be fascinating. I would just love yeah. to pick his brain. Give me one book, album, movie, or television show you are currently reading, listening to, or watching. You can give me your book club book if you'd like, unless you enjoy um, watching the show. Well, I'm not very good with TV, and John will fully disclose that at any moment sure. to anyone at any time Great. because I'm very bad about that. That's fine. Uh, we did watch Parks and Rec when Isn't I returned great? back, and I will say that is an it's, amazing show. It's the best. <laughs> um, I can I give you a different book that yeah, like, yeah. that I love that changed my life. Absolutely. Okay, so um, there's two, mm-hmm. and I would recommend them to anyone. Mm-hmm. The first is Delaying the Real World Delaying by Colleen Kinder. Real World. Delaying okay. the Real World. Great for those that are trying to figure out what they want to do, especially post high school, post college, during mm-hmm. college, what have you. Um, she essentially takes all these vignettes of people that have these alternative to desk job, yeah. amazing experiences, growth experiences, yeah. really. And she got sick of people saying, oh, so-and-so is taking a year off to go teach English in Thailand, or mm. there's taking a year off and doing a Fulbright summer. And she said, no, this is taking the year on. Yeah. Uh, doing something real. Yeah. And, and people really change and grow with these things. And maybe it's even staying in your own city because you don't have the finances to go somewhere new or didn't have the opportunity to do it, but how you can you know live in your current city in a different way. Anyway, mm-hmm. really interesting book. Tons of cool short stories. Um, the other book is On My Own Two Feet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know one of the female authors is Manisha Takor, but I don't know the other. She, they're both female Harvard CPAs. I have to look these up after you're gone. So yes, fine. Yeah. and and this book is all about personal finance. It just like wow. tremendously changed the way I think about money, especially as a female mm. who has to advocate for those raises mm. and that pay gap. And I just like super cool about how you spend and how you save. 
So you don't think you only do 75% worth of the work? You <laughs> good question. A good question. That's a trick question. Um, and last but not okay. least, uh, Cookie, one more. Uh, give me one last thing. Uh, besides uh, community interaction, besides international affairs, besides uh, so many, the Goo Goo Dolls, give me one more thing that you are passionate about. I think I have an answer here already. Well, let me hear what your, your answer is. Well, I wrote down cycling because you have a huge thing about cycling on your, True. On your website. Yeah, True. Yeah, yeah. I cycle a lot, and I yeah. love that. Um, but if you have a different answer, I'd love to hear No, it. I mean, cycling is amazing. Mm. Um, I would say the... Mm, I would say affordable housing. Affordable housing? Yeah, wow, because I cycled I for affordable housing. Mm. I haven't been as in touch with it um, lately, but that's like a big thing. I feel like you'd be just desperate. Affordable housing. It's and it's in the kind of, of transformational yeah. phase. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. and affordable housing means different things to different incomes. So you yes. have to be relevant to everybody, mm-hmm. for yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, cycling's awesome. Anyone that um, is thinking about riding their bike mm. or doing the ride for missing children or Brody's buddies ride, those are mm. there's a good uh, cycling season and community here. So you should yeah. definitely get involved. Mm. Um, Trying to think if there's anything else. The Adirondacks. I just love yeah, it yeah. there. I, yeah, yeah. That was also on my Adirondacks. list here. Adirondacks. Yeah, I mean, we have a playground. It's so close, and mm. there's so much it's to one do the, up there. It's one of the great things I, I do love about central New York is you can kind of get whatever you want, wherever you want. Mm-hmm. You want to go to the city, you can drive to New York. You want to yep. go to the mountains, you can go to the Adirondacks. Yep. You want to go to Canada, you can drive to Canada. You want to go to the <laughs> beach, you can drive to the... Well, I wouldn't drive to Silicon Beach necessarily <laughs> to go swimming. There's a lot of beaches you can go to. Yes. So you are not that far away from almost any aspect of life you could theoretically want. Very true. I, I've enjoyed that over Very the last, true. especially since I've been back this second time. Uh, Cookie, I've made you so late for book club. I'm so sorry. What book no. are you guys doing anyway? Um, we are doing. I'm let curious. Me pull now. it out. You know, you got it on you. Let me I, see. Uh, do I have it on me? I probably. Oh, this, I don't. You forgot it. Excellent. No, it's in I the car. I made you late, and you don't have it. No, it's definitely in the car. Uh-huh. It's a library rental too. Um, hmm. it's. I think it's. The fiction book. These are the way that, yes, it's fiction. Um, this is how things always are. I'm so embarrassed that I don't have it memorized. Okay, I'm not sure. We just did where the crawdad saying We do one a month, hmm. and um, I'll give the secret away. It's it's also a wine club. Really, let's, well, I mean, let's is that talk not, about it. Is that not what book yeah, club I mean, is about? Yeah. Oh, it's marriage and it's like yeah. The host, the host makes the food, and all party. of the participants bring wine. And Smart. then the leftover wine stays with the host. So Sounds it's like kind of like a rotating wine slash book club. But we love of, it. It's my kind of reading. That's right. That's right. <laughs> cookie. And I'm a non-teacher in the group, so um, there's like... You know, my my showing for completing the books every time is not so high. I always get them read, just not necessarily by the date of the book club. The internet's very helpful. (laughs) The spark Uh, notes of of book club. (laughs) I want to thank you so much for coming out. This is a great pleasure. I can tell. Thanks for having me. I can tell already we could have gone another hour. So I want to thank you so much. (laughs) Uh, This is a great pleasure. Congratulations again to you and John. Thank Uh, you, folks. Back to the show in just a minute. She's the best. Again, I said it earlier. She had to go to a book club meeting. Uh, we definitely could have gone on for another like 25 minutes. She's a great chatter, great talker. Uh, congratulations once again to her and GFOP, John Zongrone. Very pleased for both of them. Um, all right, Heather, I have two pieces of bad news for you. Jeez. Two pieces of I know. I feel bad. Two pieces of bad news for you. Number one, 
It's time for history lessons. Oh, good. Which is bad news for everybody. But number two, at the end of this week's episode, instead of going to our normal intro uh, exit, we are bringing back another episode, uh, another, uh, another version of our spoiler things outro. Kevin and I went to go see a movie this weekend, and we're going to spend the last 10 or 15 minutes of the pod so spoiling the movie. Um, it's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So if oh, you, I wanted to see that. You haven't seen it yet? No. So I'm sorry I'm going to have to kick you out for when we do the last 10 minutes of the show. That's yeah. the other piece of bad oh, news. I'm great. sorry. Thanks. Uh, I love you. Nope. You're the best. Sure. But I feel bad. You knew about this. What? You knew about this? It was Kevin's well, idea. Kicked out? Yeah, for spoiler oh, things. Was... It wasn't my idea to kick you out and make it apart. I said, let's just do an extra 10 minutes yeah, after Heather's that's part. Okay. Fine. Let's go. So, spoiler things. <laughs> so, spoiler things is back this week. At the end of this week's episode, we are going to go to uh, a section where we talk about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for, I don't know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever it is. If you have not seen the movie. You'll uh, have a fair warning. Yeah, a fair warning. You'll have a fair warning. It's okay. going to be a whole different segment. You'll be fine. Okay. So, <laughs> you people right. will be fine. All right, so let's move on to this week's uh, history lessons. On, uh, and I'll, I'll go through them quickly so uh, to. To lighten your misery. That's I'll go okay. As quick as I can. Okay. Uh, on this day, 1946, uh, former President Bill Clinton was born in Hope, Arkansas. Do you know he uh, he changed his name? He took his stepfather's last name. Do you know what his real his original last name was? Not anymore. Blythe. William Jefferson Blythe the third. He changed his name to Clinton in honor of his uh, late stepfather, Roger Clinton. By his own account, Clinton was inspired to enter politics after meeting President John F. Kennedy at the White House as a high school student. He attended George, uh, Georgetown University and won a Rhodes Scholarship to Oxford in 1968. I always think it's crazy he's a Rhodes Scholar because that sort of like, added, you wouldn't think that he's like, the, he, he knew he's a smart guy, he's the president, but you wouldn't think of him as like a Rhodes Scholar type guy because he's like, uh, play saxophone. Uh, he's yeah. not like that. No. <laughs> People with like poor impressions are like that. Yeah, He's no, I know. I, I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he uh, married fellow Yale Law School graduate Hilary Rodham uh, in 1975. Um, in 78, he, at the age of 32, he became the youngest gov- uh, governor to be elected in the United States in four decades. 92, he won the Democratic nomination for president, uh, and he upset the incumbent George H.W. Bush and then third-party candidate Ross Perot. Uh, even though there were issues that arose during the first two years of his administration that helped fuel a Republican takeover of the Senate and House, he still became the first Democratic president since FDR to win a second term in office. He's obviously remembered uh, also for the 1998 scandal with Monica Lewinsky. Uh, even though the turmoil surround, even after the turmoil surrounding the affair, he re- uh, enjoyed high approval ratings at home. He was also popular on the world stage. Uh, confronting foreign policy challenges, including bo- war in Bosnia and Herzegovina, which I always pronounce incorrectly. He currently heads up the H.J. Uh, Clinton Foundation, philanthropical organization that has addressed issues such as HIV, AIDS, and the environment. Bill Clinton, divisive figure now. People seem to hate Bill Clinton on, on one side of the political well, spectrum. Mostly just whites on the internet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just it's like sad whites um, on the internet. Is Bill Clinton's stock up or down? Down. Current, down right down, now, yeah. For sure, down. I feel like people still... I don't know. I feel like most Democrats I know don't hate Bill Clinton. My stepdad takes shots at Clinton still to, a little it's, bit. That, it's, that's, a, that's a false dichotomy to say yeah. you either love or hate. And those yeah. are only two options. As time goes on, people get a little bit more realistic and people are a little bit more honest about his time in office and some of the problems and the different yeah. things that he's encountered and been with. So I think people just have a little bit more of a realistic take. Um, and Especially as the culture shifts around towards looking at you know the way that We've allowed women to be treated since yeah, for the sure. foundation of this country and even before so. Some of his stuff that used to just be like, ah, oh, that bill. Now it's like, I really yeah. was pretty fucking gross, yeah. man. It was yeah. pretty gross. And a lot of, you know, different stuff like that. Like things that are starting to rear their head where sure. it's like, you know, 
different things like the NAFTA deal mm. and other economic things like that that sort of outsource a lot of the jobs. You know, stuff he doesn't really take knocks for, but that he 100% is, you know, yeah. holds the responsibility for. Let me ask you this question. Uh, take away all the, the issues and political stuff, just from a simple, like, standing in front of people. Is he is he top five as the most charismatic presidents? Oh, for sure. How can you say? Hard to say, right? How do you know who's charismatic before that's true. before I the time? Yeah, that's video? true. Yeah. yeah, you know. What I, mean? I guess modern presidents, like, would you put him up there in the top like fives in the last like fifty years, forty years? Yeah, we only had like eight in the last fifty years, so yeah, for sure. Yes, he's he's for sure. He's still like if you put him in front of a uh, an audience of people, he's still very charming to listen to like talk probably not yeah. today no, maybe really hard to like watch five five now. or six years ago he's yeah. Yeah. Old, watching him talk now is father awkward. T- father time comes for us all yeah and everybody gets old um he's not what he was in 2008 or 2012 but yeah. that's fair let's move on to 1959 on this day uh hawaii became the 50th state uh as pre- uh, president dwight d eisenhower signs a proclamation admitting them into the union uh, he also issued an address for the American flag featuring 50 stars arranged in staggering rows, five six-star rows, and four five-star rows. Uh, the first known settlers of the Hawaiian island were the Polynesian voyagers who arrived in the 8th century. Uh, Hawaii became fully ensconced in American national identity following the surprise Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor in 1941. 1959, the U.S. government approved state for Hawaii, and in June, the Hawaiian people voted by a wide majority to accept admittance into the United States. It has over one million permanent residents, along with many visitors and U.S. military personnel. Do you guys know the capital of Hawaii without looking it up? Is it not Honolulu? It is Honolulu. Do you guys know the island that it's on? Um, That's a tougher one, I suppose. Isn't it on on the Big Island? I don't know. Is is Oahu the Big Island? Because that's the one it's on. There you go. Uh, it is the 8th smallest and 11th least populous, but the 13th most densely populated uh, of the 50 United States. Uh, the state flower is the yellow hibiscus, and the state bird is the nene, or the Hawaiian goose. Nice. Um, this is a stupid question uh, for you guys. Better chance in the future that we have more states or less states? More. I mean, how are we going to have less? Consolidate some states. Kick somebody out. That. Consolidate them up. Do we need two Dakotas? Never. You never <laughs> see these people consolidate. No consolidate. I don't think so. we're going to get any more, any less. More. You think Definitely we can get more? more? Puerto Definitely Rico? More. If, they, if they ever let Puerto Rico, if oh, the Republicans yeah. ever let Puerto Rico yeah. join, which they continuously vote to join, um, mm. but God forbid we get more scary brown voters. Uh, <laughs> God forbid. It might be Democrats. Oh my God. And the whites on the internet would be uh, very upset. Uh, on this day... Uh, 1989, the Menendez, the Menendez brothers murdered their parents. Uh, they shot their parents and then went to a movie uh, in Mulholland Drive and bought tickets as their alibi. Then they returned home uh, and called 911 and said, someone killed our parents. Only like, I guess this is before the era of like digital surveillance and stuff. Like be easier to get away with something like this now. They obviously didn't get away with it. Do you know why they didn't get away with it? Because Eric admitted it to his uh, his... Psychi- psychiatrist, and then the psychiatrist told the courtrooms about it. It's very scandalous. Uh, this was on the list that I found on the internet of the most famous crimes. This is from the Crime Museum, some of the most famous crimes of all time. American or just history uh, at abroad? These all seem to be, eh, they got some older ones, but most of these look to be American, the ones I'm seeing here. You guys want to take a guess at some of the most famous ones that are on here? OJ. OJ for sure. Ted Bundy. Uh, there's, it doesn't seem like they're going with serial killers okay, here. It seems like, to be more like, um, 
Like, I'm seeing, like, Scott Peterson's on this list, oh, Michael yeah. Peterson. Oh, then probably okay. Amy Fisher, Lorena Bobbitt. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, Casey Anthony. Scott yeah. Peterson, JonBenet Ramsey, Casey Anthony. They got uh, Giovanni Versace, John Lennon, Celebrity Cases and stuff Maybe on Sharon here. Maybe Sharon Tate. Now they didn't have her on here, but uh, well, we'll talk more about that as uh, sure. the, the show goes on. Uh, Charles Manson obviously on here as well. Uh, all right, I'm I'm excited for this one, guys. I really I have to tell you on this day, 2001, the single "How You Remind Me" by the band Nickelback was released. It later went on to become the Billboard Song of the Year for 2002. But Nickelback is one of the most commercially successful Canadian rock bands of all time, having sold more than 50 million albums worldwide. That is a Staggering number of uh, albums for a band that I admittedly do not enjoy, although I have seen live. We'll talk about that in a minute. Have in, you? Yep. What? We'll talk about that in a minute. In two thousand and nine. Yeah, two thousand and nine. Girl's name. <laughs> Steve Gukumis. Thanks, Steve. Uh, <laughs> in two thousand and nine, Billboard ranked them as the most successful rock group of the decade, which is wild until you think about they did have a ton of like mainstream hits mm-hmm. all through the two thousands. Listed as number seven on the top artists of the decade with four albums listed on the Billboard's top ten albums. Some of their top ten singles include Photograph, Far Away, Rockstar, Someday, and of course, How You Remind Me. The nice thing is if you've heard one of them, you've heard them all. Uh, Following their 2000 album, Dark Horse, Chart Attack uh, credited the band's success to knowing their target audience. Quote, Chad Kroger is a genius because he knows exactly what people want and precisely how far he can go. He's turned out an extremely racy album that's loaded with songs about getting drunk and doing it all without breaking any taboos with enough love and moral authority to grease its passage into the mainstream. Rejoice, North America. This is your world. I don't know. Uh, Again, Nickelback has also been criticized for overuse of themes involving strippers, sex, prostitutes, drugs, and alcohol consumption and for their derivative, repetitive, and formulaic nature of their music. Uh, in November 2012, users... I don't care about the strippers or drugs or anything like that, because that's, like, tons of music talks about that yeah. stuff. Uh, in November 2011, users of the music-oriented dating site TasteBuds.fm voted Nickelback as the number one musical turnoff, edging out Justin Bieber and Lady Gaga. In 2013, the readers of Rolling Stone magazine nominated Nickelback the second worst band of the 1990s. That would be weird because I just never found them to be terrible or likable. I don't. They uh, um, yeah. Like they don't. Face uh, face. Only behind Creed, who was ranked as more hateable than them. Uh, yeah, I did see Nickelback at the Odd. They came to the Odd once, and nice. yep, it was Trapped, three, Trapped, Three Days Grace, and Nickelback. Oh, I remember a lot of people. Going yeah, to see yep, that. that was a show people went to. It was at the Odd. It was oh, a show. Yeah, yep, I got a free ticket. Thanks, Steve. Back then, I was out. I was on Nickelback very fast. I've been mm-hmm. a, a staunch. I don't like Nickelback guy for a long time. Sam will tell you. Sam's uh, a very so long time. I, I worked in a record store, right? So I got that question pretty regular. That album was out when I was working at Fye. That uh, the big popular one, whatever the I have it listed here. It's called uh, All the Right Reasons. Whatever it was. Me. Sure. Uh, <laughs> and people have to come to me and be like, "Is this album any good?" And I'd be like, "It sells a lot. People yes. people buy it. They buying them up real quick." Uh, <laughs> they did make a list of Salon's most hated bands of the last thirty years. You guys want to know who else is on this list? Can you, 98 Degrees on here, Smash Mouth, Black Eyed Peas, Insane Clown Posse. These are all successful bands, mind you. Mm-hmm. Like, they're they're all making money and don't give a crap what you think about them. Crap, don't give a shit. Pardon me for not using the full swear. Some of them care. Smash Mouth gets so mad on Twitter that yeah. people don't like their band. Uh, Hootie and the Blowfish, Goo Goo Dolls, which we talked about during the interview because uh, Cookie was at the Goo Goo Dolls concert at the awe that oh, yeah. I was at as well. Were you at that concert too? No. What are your thoughts on the Goo Goo Dolls? Are they a crappy band? 
They're kind of I like I like Goo Dolls way better than Nickelback. They yeah certainly they're certainly better than Nickelback. Um, there was a there was a couple albums in there that had like some songs on it, but they're another band who. This happened to so many bands during this time, during like the last great heyday of radio play for bands, yeah. where bands would get a really big hit mm-hmm. and then just keep trying to make that same hit over and over again. And that's something that definitely happened to Goo Dolls. Yeah, they got and it wasn't even Iris, like when they got yeah. yeah when they got Iris and then all of a sudden every song had to be like that. Mm-hmm. And then they got that movie soundtrack song too, and it was a mess after that point. You know what I mean? Angels. They just kept putting out the same. <sighs> what was uh? What was I like movie? Sly. What was Iris from? Iris was from City, City of Angels. City of Angels. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then I had I was saying to to Cookie in the interview, I had the song Broadway stuck in my head for mm-hmm. some reason today. It's a good song. And I was like, that's an okay. Mm-hmm. The song Dizzy. Dizzy's song an okay Big song. Machine. <laughs> Big Machine. I forgot about Yo, Big, Big Machine. Machine is a banger. Living in a big machine now. Where's it go? Yeah. Don't, forgot don't, about all Nobody will listen to it if they think Dude, that's yeah. it's a good one. Yeah, yeah, that's a song. I'm trying to think. What's the opening? The last song, the last song oh, on Dizzy Up the Girl that I can't remember the name of is very good. They've got plenty of songs. I would rank them somewhere. Above Matchbox 20 and somewhere below Semisonic for me personally. Yeah, I would say for me personally. Yeah, but Semisonic, you've got like a you've I do. got an emotional okay. attachment. Yeah, progenitor band for me. I was very. Yeah, you've got like a song and a half. Nah, that second album that's afterwards nobody likes is great. I love uh-huh. it. I think it's awesome. Uh, we, again, I'm just going to give you the, the gist on this one. We won't go too deep into it. Last but not least, on this day, 2005, uh, Hurricane Katrina formed over the Bahamas, later became Category 5 Hurricane. Like, that's. Still scary to think about, like the power of like storm surge. Even just like the little tiny flood we had this week. Like you think about God, like on a real massive yeah. scale. The damn ocean is coming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, here comes the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> ocean. Uh, yeah. So sad, sad stuff. And still, I bet you there's probably still parts that are still destroyed to this day. I would imagine. I with no research on it, like looking it up. I'm sure there are. All right, you guys want to do some bits, some other blogs? We get back to some lighter stuff. I have three of them this week. They're not as good as last week's. Yes. Okay. Good. Who is the most famous person ever? Who is the most famous person ever? I think the easy answer in this is like Jesus, right? I, know, I feel like people Jesus will be like that. I have a tough time with. I always have a tough time with these because we read a lot of the same blogs. Yeah. So like, I'm trying not to give the same like paragraphs following and give a different answer. Well, I tried not to read the paragraph in this one, so uh, you can tell me and I won't know what it was. No, yeah, I mean, yeah, Jesus, I yeah. guess. Uh, this guy was saying, like, Michael Jackson, I oh. mean, I don't know if number one... No, that's... No, sad. that wouldn't be the first person. What he is, didn't it, even come to my gotta, mind. You gotta start to define, like, what fame means. Like, yeah, like is Gandhi more famous Julius, than Elvis? Julius Caesar? Is yeah. Is yeah, Khan? You tough. know what I mean? Like, like, historically famous? What are we really talking about here? Yeah. I think you'd have to say, like, historic Is Abe, like, Abe Lincoln or something that's like that? Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, no, no, because Abe Lincoln's an American. That's where my brain went, though. So someone who's You're international. The, the, the Eurocentric, Amerocentric yeah, yeah, yeah. viewpoint will have you saying well, stuff like so that. So what about like an American who was popular? Muhammad. I'm trying to think of like an American who was popular in Europe. Like a Ben Franklin. He was very well known. Oh, yeah. Ish. But like he yeah. doesn't really know me. There's no American. All, all the Americans that would be popular over there would be more from the entertainment world. It's not the great politicians. Yeah. They don't get Ben Franklin's a traitor. Yeah, Muhammad. Yeah, I guess like the religious ones, like the Jesus is Muhammad, is probably the most famous people in the mm-hmm. world. Uh, all right, I only put this one on because this is something I've argued for in the past. Visited my mom and she put out some croutons to snack on. I thought it was weird, but you know what? They're pretty good. I can snack on these. I get you're supposed to put them in salad, but why limit yourself? I've been arguing for years. You could you could sell croutons in a bag called snack cubes, and people would eat them. Am I wrong? Do you think that's gross? Is that weird? 
if you didn't know they were called croutons. I think, yeah. I don't, know, never, why, I don't never, know why you would care. Why would you care if they're called croutons? Well, I'm just thinking because people already have a, they've established that they go on salad, so they named it. I feel like I know do. tons of people that snack on croutons. I feel like I that's a thing anybody. out there. I haven't yeah. had, I used to first I'm hearing. My take is they're too hard. Yeah. Yeah. Way too hard. Hurt your mouth. Hurt your teeth. Just, it's it's a lot. I don't need it. I used to, I could eat a batch of croutons when I was a kid. That was like a jam. Like a, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, that's probably okay. I don't need to do the other one. That's fine. We've... Well, what is it? What no, is I it? Know. no, you can't do oh. that. I can't do that. Okay. Uh, so this is one. Is uh, Okay, this is a scenario, so you have to bear with me for a second. I was stuffing my fat face with pistachios, and my girlfriend asked me for one. I handed her a shelled pistachio. She threw it in her mouth, chomped it down, and then yelled at me for not opening the pistachio. I said, why would you open the pistachio? So unshelled. Yeah, he, it was no, unshelled. It was shelled. And he didn't unshell it, it for her. To it? shell it, I think when you shell a pistachio, it means you take the shell off. Yes. So I think a shelled pistachio means... So he gave her one with the shell on. Right. She was mad that he didn't shell hit, uh, take the shell off for her. He thought it was weird to take the shell off for somebody else and just give them the pistachio. Mm-hmm. I think that, honestly, part of the pistachio experience is taking apart the pistachio. If you gave me a pistachio, my yeah. first initial thought would not be to throw it in my mouth. How about you... Just look at stuff you're going to put in your mouth before yeah. you put it in your mouth. <laughs> well, well stop being a baby. Well, who's... I mean, well, because if you bite into it, you might crack a tooth. Yeah, yeah. it sucks. But, like, yeah, but... I don't know. Would you want... Would you prefer someone open... Would you prefer no, Zach open your pistachio for you? No, like, no. That's weird, right? That is the fun yeah. part. When I get him in the car... There's a little salt on him. You yeah. get the little... Yeah. Yeah, pistachio. I'm going for some pistachios right now. I'm hungry. Uh, pistachios or almonds? You only get one. What do you got? Pistachios. Pistachios. If you're a big almonds guy, now I would prefer if I'm sitting and like eating them on like somewhere. I'd prefer to eat pistachios, but almonds just have so much more use. That yeah, it'd be tough to oh, rule yeah. out the almond. I would take pistachios over as a snack, right? I, I would. T- I mean, I would take pistachios over. You get rid of walnuts. Mm-hmm. Just get rid of yeah, walnuts you, as a whole. <laughs> yeah, you don't care for walnuts. No, I really don't. It's it's dumb. It's like a gross soft yeah. nut. It's horrible. <laughs> No quicker way to ruin banana bread or brownies or whatever. Like, you people are sick. (laughs) So mean. Sick. So mean. Uh, All right. All right, very good. Good job, guys. Uh, Let's move on to uh, a few. I have two last ones, and then Heather, I'm going to have to kick you out. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, So, there's been a lot of talk. We've talked a lot about all the different streaming platforms, and it seems that Disney Plus, the new big giant streaming platform on, uh, on the horizon, has finally released an actual bundle about what you can get for oh, their product. Nice. And it's surprisingly affordable. I thought this was pretty good. I thought this package is all right, especially for a guy like me. Uh, so here's their package. Disney Plus with all the Disney properties and all the movies and such. A Hulu subscription and ESPN Plus, which you can all like sports is like a throwaway, but for someone like me, that's like a nice bonus. $12.99. So Disney Plus, Hulu subscription, and ESPN for the sports guys for $12.99. It's about what I pay for Netflix now. Right off the bat, is that a good enough deal to make you switch? Just on first thought. Yeah. I it sounds Hulu. like it, right? I have Hulu and, my, and we don't have any access to Disney, so that would be great. I, would, I, feel I like don't care about ESPN, but still, even with ESPN there, it doesn't matter. That Hulu so, edition's nice. For 12 bucks. It's a nice bonus. You get, like, you get two for one. Hulu is sneaky, like, probably number two in streaming services, yeah. I would say. Mm. But I count Netflix at, like, number four out of the big four major streaming That's true. Shows, yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, I would totally Netflix get that. that I did not expect it to be I think that Netflix expensive. is, uh, I think my Netflix was sort of knocking on desk door anyway. It is, yeah. Um, I've watched The Office and Friends and Parks and Rec a lot, and they're going to be gone sooner than later anyway, so. 
I like the, you know what the thing is. I like a lot of their content that they put out, their own content. Yeah. But there's so much of it that yeah. I'm that I hate having to sift through it. For and the I think stuff they're losing good shows too because of it. Yeah. Like there's um a couple of them they're not. Going I back. part of me just wants these companies to make all the streaming services like fifty bucks and you get almost nothing for your fifty dollars. Because let me ask you this question. Do you think your life would be better or worse if all the streaming systems disappeared? It'd be better. So much better. It would yeah, be. Sure. I would. I How would much have... better would your life? Be? I thought. I read a book. I read an eight, uh, seven hundred page book in the last eighteen hours. Mm-hmm. First time I've read. Say I've yeah. read like a full novel in a while. And first time I've knocked out a book in a day. Yeah. In some time, I was thinking all the books I have that I never read. I'm like, man, I was just to read. I wonder why I don't. Wonder why yeah. I don't. And it's always it's the damn streaming and it's the stuff like the compulsion to always have to be streaming something, right? Yeah. I kind of wish they would make them all fifty bucks. They'd be unaffordable. I'm like, you know what? Screw this. I don't even need this. Let's get this out of here, and then you get like time to enjoy. People and things, yeah. you know. I don't want to be accused of killing the joy of streaming services True. here. The joy no, killer. No, but, but you know what I mean. No, I know because I would be doing a lot more. Um, everybody would be. Would be. At, at night. Why everybody would be actually I'm, doing stuff. I'll sit and watch TV yeah. till I pass out. 100%. Every I night. would say of all the streaming services that I use on a, on a regular basis, I, my Netflix drop, my Netflix has dropped off hard. There's not a lot that's oh, super exciting God. for me on Netflix right now that I'm like ready to engage in. I like the HBO one. I do like their content still. Um, I like the NBC Sports one. That's the one I feel like the soccer one is the one that's the most used it for me. I pay like 50 bucks like a year to get the soccer app. And that's the one that I probably get the most average use. I guess YouTube. But that's free. It doesn't count as anything. Right. Um, all right. So there you go. So I actually like that package though. I think I might be able to be coaxed to move my five, my twelve ninety nine that I already spent on Netflix over to... The Disney Hulu ESPN Plus package. If nothing else, then for ESPN's coverage of Europa League and uh, American League Soccer. So. I'm curious to see how stingy Disney Plus is going to be with their stuff. Oh, you think they'll be uh, like price levels above the twelve ninety nine if like you want? No, no, not necessarily. What I think it's going to be is they're just they're going to rotate stuff yep. so much. Mm-hmm. So like, okay, oh, I got Disney Plus. That means I have all the Marvel. And you jump on, it's like, well, the only ones we have available in the streaming library now are this, this, and this. But uh, this, this, and this aren't. And so, like, if I can have it all, it's much more appealing than, like, if I've got a, well, geez, I hope they put Captain America Civil War on soon because mm-hmm. I'd like to watch that one. Yeah. Yeah. Or whatever. But if they've got all the Disney movies, and I'm just mean the animated, like, all the different Disney stuff. Yeah. I also have Disney owns because Disney owns, like, some crazy percentage of the media now. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? No. You look yeah. at the chart. It's wild. If they put it's, everything, yeah, it's if nuts. they put everything, <laughs> if they just give full carte blanche to everything the way that Hulu does with the properties that they have... Then it's a, that's a like that's a game yeah. killer. Yeah, it's not even a game sure. changer. That's a killer. Yes, uh, I'm Heather, leaving. Heather, thank Bye you so everybody. much. You're the best. Three weeks in a row. Can you make it four yeah, weeks? I'll be back. <laughs> Actually, no, I will. Well, we'll I'll, we'll let you know next week if Heather makes it back. Heather, Heather's the best. Heather, thank let you. me know about that thing. Yeah, yeah. let them know about that thing. Thank you. All right, so folks, if you uh, normally just tune in for the normal stuff, this is where you can turn the show off if you have not already seen uh, the movie Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the uh, ninth. Quentin Tarantino film, the one that Kevin and I uh, went to go see this weekend. Uh, and also, Steve, if you're in the green room and you don't want this movie to be spoiled, uh, just just be aware we're going to be talking about it right now. So, All right, that's fine. All he right good. He doesn't care. Okay, so, Kev, I did steal these questions, again, from the Ringer's exit survey, but I also have a couple of things I wanted to ask you before we dug in. Too. Sure. Uh, first off, I don't want to pin you down to, like, uh, did you want to give this movie a letter grade or anything, but... What was your first, and did you really, did you enjoy the movie? Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, I feel like uh, it's kind of hard for me to sit here and be like, it was an A plus or a B minus or anything because I, I'd probably need to watch it again before sure. I gave it a... For sure. I never felt bored. I know a lot of people critique the length of these Quentin Tarantino movies. It never felt Important long. Important to remember a lot of people are fools. <laughs> yeah, no. That's a pretty common like thing with Tarantino movies where they're yeah, long. Yeah, because a lot of people have no patience for like a slow burn. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Like they're like clapping monkeys that need constant flashing entertainment at every second. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I understand that. Yeah. Um, I hate the what is your tweet length review of these movies. It's one of my least favorite questions on there. But I will say it. This felt like the most Quentin Tarantino of all the most of all the Quentin Tarantino movies. Oh, that's an interesting take because I feel like it was the least Quentin Tarantino. Really? It didn't even seem like a Quentin Tarantino movie to me. As a matter of fact, I felt. I don't like, know if I said that to you after the movie, but that's one of the things I thought was crazy. Really? Leaving this movie was out of all the movies he's ever made. This one felt. The least like a Quentin Tarantino movie. See, this felt like everything that Quentin... It felt like a Scorsese movie to me. It felt actually. like... It felt like he was paying homage to everything he loved about... He was, but, yeah, not, yeah. but not to himself and what he's done. But that's what I think. I mean, it felt the most like something that he cared about. Like, he loves this time frame and this era. He's infatuated with it. You, can, yeah, you yeah. can tell watching that, that the director yeah. loves what they were showing yeah. was infatuated but it doesn't show to me upon watching that that director is necessarily Tarantino. Yeah, I guess that's that's a that's a good point. I think there were times in the movie where I think it did feel mm-hmm. Scorsese, especially when you get that Kurt Russell narration of something that was happening, or as they start getting toward the end and they're building up. It felt very much like uh, Scorsese aspects in that movie. Sure. Yeah. Uh, let's let's go there then. What was your best moment from the movie, Kevin? Um, I would have to sit and think about it again for a second, but probably the whole scene where he goes out to the ranch. Yep, I had that on my list. When Brad Pitt's Cliff Booth picks up that girl, the hitchhiker, and they go out to the Spawn Ranch uh, where, like, the nascent Manson family is sort Mm -hmm. of germinating, that whole sequence is amazing. And also, um, the end is really good. Anytime Brad Pitt's on screen is the best part of this movie. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna get to yeah, Brad yeah. Pitt. I have two other moments. Not to I, knock anybody else, yeah. but every time uh, I have two other. I had the the Brad Pitt at the Spawn movie ranch sequence just from picking up the Margaret Qualley character, who I did not know was Andy McDowell's daughter until someone told me after. I was like, oh, that makes sense. Andy McDowell, that's like an actress, right? Yeah, she was in Groundhog Day. Okay. All right. Well, uh, anyhow, uh, I really like that whole sequence. Him going to the Spawn ranch and meeting Bruce Dern. Uh, and that whole shtick. I also really liked the entire sequence where DiCaprio is playing, is doing the pilot with Timothy Oliphant, and he's playing the bad guy on Lancer, oh, where he's having that sequence with the little girl, and he breaks down talking about the book, and then he does the bad job, and he's screaming and yelling himself, so then comes back. That whole sequence was, I was amazed. And we can, we're going to get to the pick one Brad or Leo question later on, but I, I struggled to decide who I thought was better in this movie. They were both so good, and they took up so much of the screen. In this, they're so charismatic. It's it's wild, every scene that they're in. And then I also really like this scene with Margot Robbie watching her own movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, as Sharon Tate sort of doing that young movie star on the come up. That felt very... Seems to be one of everybody's big takeaways from this yeah, movie. Yeah, I liked it. That was, yeah. yeah, she was really good. Uh, did you have a least favorite part of the movie? I didn't have a, a hard part specifically, but I had a few things to sort of talk about. I'm sure that I did, but not off the top of my head, no. Um, I'm going to say that there were not a lot of things I didn't like about this movie. I would say, one, 
I could have used a little more Margot Robbie. I thought she was really good, and I felt like they didn't utilize her as much as they could have. I don't. Exact... What did you want them to do? I don't know. Just more scenes with her. I liked. I liked maybe a little more of that scene with her and the hippie in the car. She's given the the hitchhiker to to get a little more of like who she is and what she's all about. Do you know what I mean? No, I, I think that would. I think that kind of ruins her. Yeah. Her purpose in the movie. Yeah. yeah. It's because we already know who she is, and so the whole like the whole thing when you're watching the movie is. This Sharon Tate character, you know her story and you know what happens. Um, and yeah, I feel like that would have been... I feel like that would have changed what the movie is and what the movie's about. You know what I mean? It well, would have changed the whole narrative of the movie if you tried to do... If you tried to like, cram in all this weird exposition. Well, one of the takes I've seen about this movie is that it's very anti-hippie. Right? Like, it's sure. very... But she seems to be the only... Every time in the movie, DiCaprio's swearing at hippies and Brad Pitt's talking shit about hippies. and like. But she's the only person who like seems genuinely... like. Approach because like, she's young. Yeah, they're old. Yeah, I'd like. To, I would have liked to see a, more of like why she was understanding of them, and no one and everyone else was sort of harsh about it. Like that would have been a nice way to transition about this new Hollywood, like bringing this more accepting culture. Of these. I thought they did that. I was like a little. Yeah, I just. Yeah. I mean, I just like. I thought she was really good. Mm-hmm. I would have liked to see more of her being really good. I guess is what I'm getting at. That's all. Yeah. Um. People seem to have issues with the Bruce Lee scene, which I thought was actually quite good. No, yeah. People, people are people are foolish. Bruce Lee's family, in particular, seems of to course. Be... I mean, of course, the family. The family is always going to be sensitive. They don't want yeah. you to. Yeah. Well, I think there's also a thing I've noticed where like, every time Bruce Lee is presented on screen, it's always in this uber reverent tone. So I think it was a little odd to see him sort of come off as like an arrogant dude. Like a celebrity hot chip. That's probably like he was also, probably an arrogant dude. It also wasn't like a real thing. That was like yeah. Cliff's fantasy sequence. Was it, it was a fantasy mi- or a flashback? I couldn't. It was. It was him misremembering the flashback to this fantasy time. Yeah. I thought that was a dead. I thought it was a dead giveaway when he does the thing where they're fighting. He throws another car and dents it. That's a clear giveaway. He remembers it in his mind. He's like, yeah, you know, my life's all screwed up and I'm fixing this roof, but like. Mm. Damn, remember that time I beat up Bruce Lee, though, you know? That thing where, like, something small happens and it gets lionized as you get older, you know yeah. what I mean? People talking about, oh, I remember the big game where I threw all the touchdowns I was on touchdown. Yeah. Same, the same way everybody lionizes, yeah. like, the stuff that happened when they were young and builds it into this big thing as they get older. But no, that was just him flashing back to be like, oh, yeah, this is why I'm unemployable. Um, I've seen a lot of people have issues with Cliff murdering his wife, maybe. I actually thought that was one of the most interesting parts of the whole movie. Right. They never, I, I love that sequence. That's, like, another, that's another lazy take. I was um, like, wow, that's a really fat... I like when you're challenged to decide how much you want to invest in a character. I mean, like, it, it makes you question more about him. You, these are not good dudes, necessarily. They're captivating, but, like... I feel like people who have takes like that have never read books. I've re- never read, <laughs> never book. read books. Yeah, they it's, do. Uh, it's just the kind of yeah. like they've never read huh. books. Like I don't know. Like yeah, you want everybody care. Like I yeah, I don't know. It's a bad take. Do you think there were too many feet in the movie? Yeah, it's a little much. Maybe the feet. A little much. I could use less. A little much. A little much. The the Sharon Tate putting her feet up in the theater. I was like, okay, he likes feet. But then no, like no, no. when it was when when the hippie girl put him up yeah. on the dash, that was when I was that like, ah, all right. <laughs> uh, what were your thoughts on the ending? On the it's great. Of, yeah. Oh, it was great. Uh, I guess I liked it because it wasn't what I anticipated. And I guess maybe I anticipated, like, Brad Pitt and DiCaprio going up to the compound and saving them from the, the Manson's crew, as opposed to them replacing them in the attack. But I liked the ending. I was actually, I was impressed by it. I thought, yeah. Hey. I thought it was also good because you got, like, all the, all the professional... Um, the professional hot take artists on the blog who are always racing to see who can be the wokest the fastest. Yeah. Um, those people were already, like, 
chomping at the bit, salivating over how yeah. they thought this movie was going to end before mm-hmm. the movie even came yeah. out. I thought it was really interesting that it turned that completely on its head. I'm glad that I And the ending might have been the best sequence of the movie. I'm glad. Definitely definitely the goriest yeah, sequence. Sure. Like that's that's the only time in the movie you get like some real like yeah. violence a couple points you're like, "Yeah." Yeah, if you're that kind of person, it's a Tarantino movie. But people are people are bothered to different levels yeah. by that kind of thing. So people should know that in that ending, that's when you'll see the most "quote unquote" blood and guts, or whatever you want to call it. God but, damn you know, whatever. <laughs> that's not what gets people though. I just that's, that's so not wild. real. It's so wild. No, I know what you're talking about. Uh, all right, pick one, Brad or Leo. Brad. 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 Leo was good, but Brad Pitt was. I saw some take, and I don't know if it was uh, if it was the podcast I listened to, or maybe it was The Ringer, or maybe it was some review, but Brad Pitt is just a sheer movie star, whereas DiCaprio is just acting his heart out. But he's, Brad Pitt is just pure, blazing movie star charisma in this whole movie. Every time he's on screen, you just want to look at him more. He's very captivating. I hope that he wins. He's like one of those actors who probably should have won an Academy Award if you think that awards validate um, like whatever a career for some for reason. For what, though? I just, I just want him to. I just, he should have won it for Aldo Rain, probably. I, I, like now in hindsight, like well, a supporting actor. Yeah, he. I think he could win supporting actor for this. Mm-hmm. I really do. Like I think he's really good in this. Do you think he's a supporting actor in this? Or do you think he's the yes. lead? I mean, there's only if you're going under the the, the movie's about Rick Dalton, right? Like it is it. Yeah, it feels like it. Okay. He's like the last person really you see talking on screen. They drag him up to the house at the end. Um... Yeah, I mean, like, the movie's sort he, Brad Pitt is there in service of, of Leonardo's cap- character the whole movie. The entire movie is about him facilitating Rick Dalton's lifestyle, right? At the end, he saves everybody, and then Leo's there to, like, sweep up the glory and tell the story at the Just end. Just like it's been their whole life. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's the story. It's hard. I would prefer that... I think that Brad Pitt wins an Academy Award if he gets supporting actor. That's all I'm saying. I think he's amazing. I don't know... If Leo's the supporting, I don't think Leo's the supporting actor in this movie. Like, yeah, got, I, I think I think I think lead actor and supporting actor kind of are kind of an outdated thing yeah. anyway. A little bit, a lot of times, you know what I mean? Because you yeah. can't you can't have this movie without either of those guys yeah. or Margot Robbie. Those are the three yeah. people you can't. I mean, the movie was literally almost a three character movie. It really is. It's true. Yeah. Uh, who uh, and that sort of gets to our next question: Who is the best side character in this movie? Um. I had a list of four that I came yeah, up with. Yeah, you say some stuff, because I don't have anything uh, to So, uh, I really liked the hippie girl, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, the girl, Pussycat, was her name. She was very captivating every time she's on screen. She sure was. You no, know, she really was. She's, uh, there's, she had, like, the the right vibrancy for that character. It was a little bit unsettling as they're driving up. She's good. She's just really good every time she was on. Sure. Uh, Could have used less of her feet. I like, I like Emil Hirsch in general, so seeing him as Jay Sebring always made me laugh out there. He's looked like, a, it was just funny seeing him. I you thought, didn't do anything. <laughs> I know it's so weird that he didn't he's do in the anything. Movie. Uh, Cliff's dog. I'm surprised people weren't angry that he's in the movie. Why people hate him? He choked that lady to like he... almost death. Yeah. I don't know if I know that story. Yeah, Millhurst, not not the best guy. I'm surprised uh, that they chose him. I thought Bruce Dern was pretty good as George Spann, and like the three minutes he's in there, being a being like a blind maniac. Yeah. Uh, Made me learn go read more about George Spann. Uh, and I also think. Um, I thought Pacino was pretty good in his limited usage. He was all right. Sort of an. Yeah, there's really I not Pacino a lot. Good. Of, 
There's not really a lot of meat for the side characters in this movie. It's kind of a hard movie to pick side characters. No, I think the best the best side character for me was probably uh, that little girl on the side of the western. Yeah, she was really good. She was excellent. Uh, Timothy Oliphant, I thought was really good. I feel like he didn't role. get much to do really. Well, you got no, yeah. you got what he had to do. I mean, you yeah. can't just like shoehorn that guy into the rest of the movie. No, that's you true. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, he was sort of there and just sort of gone, which is a shame because I like Oliphant all the time when I see him. Well, that, that kind of comes back to the thing where this oh. movie's about these guys. I guess Kurt Russell really wasn't in it either. He was sort of in it and just... the just, one scene yeah. and then the narrator, yeah. Bruce Lee. I, a lot of people would say, I thought the guy who played Bruce Lee was pretty good, actually. He was awesome. His voice was excellent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, which Rick Dalton movie or show would you have paid money to see a full version of? Oh, God, probably none of them, I don't think. I would have liked to see the full Great Escape with him in place of McQueen. Just a Caprio digitally inserted playing all of Steve McQueen's parts. I loved I like any time in a movie where they like change history and do stuff like that. I was I thought all of that was just delightful. Like all his fake movies that he was in and fake TV shows, all his crappy. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Loved the Antonio Margariti reference with Operazione Dinomite. Like that was that was mm-hmm. great stuff. Um and I also really liked, I would have watched the whole pilot of Lancer, the show, if you'd put it on for me with the camera. <laughs> I would have watched Lancer, at least episode one, mm-hmm. a little Deadwood style. Um, last but not least, where would you rank Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in your Tarantino hierarchy? I'm going to watch it a few more times. Um, definitely top five, possibly top three. I have it soft at four right now without seeing it at uh, seeing it again. I have I still have Glorious Bastards number one. I think that's the one I've probably watched the most in the last like five ten years, however long it's been out. Uh, Reservoir Dogs just because it was like one of the first. I loved that movie. Uh, Pulp Fiction because I have a hard time putting it, <laughs> I have a hard time saying that I like this better than Pulp Fiction on one viewing. But I have uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood right in that four spot ahead of uh, ahead of like True Romance if you want to count that. Mm. Yeah, I would say Pulp Fiction. For me, definitely, and Glorious yeah. Bastards, pretty firmly number two. Um, then you start getting into like I feel like I'm. I feel like I have to say Reservoir Dogs because like you're supposed to. Although as time goes on, Reservoir Dogs shrinks as a movie for me. I, I feel like that one gets better for me when I watch. I'm it. not saying I like it less. I'm just saying I'm. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying it shrinks for yeah. me. It's a, the movie gets smaller and yeah. smaller as his movies get larger. Um, and then I've got to put, but so Reservoir Dogs, and I've got to throw Jackie Brown up in there as well. Yeah, Jackie Brown's the one that I sort of wrote. Like, I feel like Jackie Brown would be five here, but I've never seen it all the way through, so I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, speaking of getting rid of your subscription services, it's on Netflix. Well, I'll do before we get rid of Netflix. All right, uh, that's it. Okay, that's it. Uh, next time, what's the next movie I think on the horizon that we'll want to do, uh, a spoiler things for? I'm trying to think if there's anything. It, maybe? It's, it, it, chapter two? Yeah, maybe. I'm trying to think of the next thing we would probably... We don't always go to the movies together, so, like... True. Yeah. That's true. All right. Uh, that's it, folks. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Uh, again, appreciate Heather for being here. She's the best. Appreciate Cookie Cough for coming on and talking to us. Uh, Cyanar Humanoids. You can follow Kevin at underscore Kevin Sullivan on Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram, SoundCloud, from Unicast. We're taking over the web. Uh, tape machines are rolling. We are desperately out of time. We will see you next week on the Unicast episode 218, where I'll be on the way to a bachelor party. Oh, 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 oh,